the truth of it? What does it symbolize? Paladin confidence, hanging on a tree. To the Modern Horrors Podcast, episode 122. My name is Luke Rodriguez. I am joined, as always, by the beard, the man, the myth, the legend, mm. Jacob Hopkins himself. And oh, we, and took, we took a week off. We did. I did some globe trotting. It looked like it was fun. It was a good time. I stayed here. I've brought back a friend. Well, who'd you bring? Matt Stewart's writer director of what? Tonight She Comes. Matt Stewart's. How's it going? Yes, it is going well. I've also been trotting the globe a bit and uh, got to meet you in person at Fantastic Fest, and it was a blast. Yeah, man. So we're going to talk about Fantastic Fest in just a little bit. This, I mean, uh, as you know, we kind of dick around for the first couple minutes on the show usually, so maybe now is better than any time to do it. Um, this was <laughs> my dick out. Let's go. <laughs> uh, this was my first time at Fantastic Fest, Matt. How, was, it, was it your first time or no? Uh, I think it was my eighth time. Holy Jesus. Yeah, I'm something of a Fantastic Fest veteran by this point. So how did you feel about this year's lineup? Um, It was pretty solid overall. Um, There, I don't know, it wasn't my favorite year necessarily, but it did contain my favorite film of the year, which I was super stoked on. Um, You know, I mean, I don't know, it's always like really fun hanging out with people. Seeing, I actually missed zero movies this year somehow. Oh my god! So, oh Lord. Yeah, so I saw thirty-seven movies there, which was ridiculous. <laughs> oh my god! I'm so tired just thinking about that. Yes. Oh, yeah. So we were. Uh, I, I saw three <laughs> while I was there. <laughs> so d- dropped the seven on that. Uh, but I think one of those. I think we probably share our favorite one that we can uh, kind of talk about a little bit. Was it the the Shutter flick? Yeah, it was. Yeah, so Revenge. Uh, those of you may have seen my tweet when I was out there, but French horror is back in a major way. It really is. Yeah, it's it's phenomenal. Uh, it, it was like a total surprise for me, too. Like, I was expecting it to be good, but I wasn't expecting it to be that good. Yeah, yeah. Likewise, likewise. So, uh, Fantastic Fest is a blast. If you've never gone out there, by all means, go check it out in Austin, Texas, at the Alamo. Everyone's hanging out. Everyone's talking to each other. You'll see directors. You'll see producers. You'll see fans. You'll see everyone in between. It's just a big fucking party, and everyone's having fun with each other. So, if you have never been uh, next year, go check it out, and uh, maybe you'll bump into all three of us there. Who knows? Sounds yes. like an orgy. It, the so, way you describe it, it's uh, uh, the the best kind all of right, orgy. Let's go. Let's do it. All right, well, this yeah, show. Cinematic orgy. <laughs> the, the best kind of orgy, yeah. Uh, this show is brought to you by the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. We skipped that last time. We did, we? We did. We it's okay, be, though. We got to be better. It's, I mean, it's our own network. We can do that, I guess. The boss is really going to come down on us. <laughs> they sure are. You guys uh, are fired. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there it is. The boss came down. So, someone's here to hold us accountable. <laughs> Uh, that's why that's why we can never keep a third person because we, we, we don't keep each other accountable for shit. So it's it's a very good working relationship. Uh, as well as our Patreon producers, podcast supporters, sponsors, all that good shit. Can you do it? Uh, just give me a second. Give me a minute. Drew Marvick, Joe Decker. Is it right? Yeah, the okay. big motherfucking homie K Monk. Uh, as well as Alex Stinger. And don't forget, we actually have a new sponsor on board, BarkBox. Oh, we like BarkBox. Yep, so uh, all of you like your animals just as much as we do, I'm sure. You better, you monsters. If not, you are, in fact, a monster. A real piece of shit you are. (laughs) 
So don't be an asshole. Go to getbarkbox.com slash horror. Uh, packages start at, uh, what is it, $21 a month. $21.99. a month to give that little ball of fur that gives you so much love just a little bit more in return. It could be a big ball of fur, too. They've got different sizing, small, medium, and large. That's and true. hell, you get some, like, what is that, four to six treats from the U.S. and Canada? And you, we know how to make shit. This is top shelf treats too. Yeah, I mean, you're not fucking around here. We're talking about rabbit lungs and shit. Like <laughs> I don't even, lungs. I don't even know where you get that. <laughs> Pheasant testicles. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it, it's one of a kind. So go to getbarkbox.com/slash/horror. You'll get a free month on the Modern Horrors Podcast Network. You guys are welcome. There it is. And if you do that, send us a picture on social media. I love seeing when you guys do that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we had one uh, a happy dog uh, sent some pictures over to I us. I think it and, was uh, Hank, right? Uh, Hank, yeah. yeah. Hank, Hank was, was having happy. a hell of a time. He was. So, yeah, uh, we got a pretty good show lined up. Uh, actually, uh, one of the movies that I did not see at Fantastic Fest, oh. I know, Matt, you did. Well, yeah, he saw 37. <laughs> I did. I, I saw many movies, yes. <laughs> the odds are in this favor right now. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, Jacob, I know you actually watched it before I did. In round number two, we're going to be talking about uh, the movie that everyone was talking about on social media for quite a while gerald's game mm. the latest yes. from stephen king himself well not necessarily himself but mike flanagan did it there you go we 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 mostly like flanagan yeah i think the only one that we we're really outwardly against is oculus yeah and that's totally fair because you should be <laughs> we're real quick real quick matt we, we we've got a kind yes. of an ongoing battle with the final girls horror cast uh oh, okay. w- with our or with our beef against oculus so where do you stand on oculus so i i certainly don't hate it It, it's not my favorite of his films though i i would uh man i don't know it's maybe my least favorite but i still like it yeah i mean that's fair that's fair no one's calling it a bad movie right none of us are calling it a bad movie here just just not his strongest work by by a long stretch if he said it's the best i'd have had to make you hang up on skype just like it's over (laughs) man hang on (laughs) yeah it certainly is not the best Cool. So in round number two, we're talking about Gerald's game. In round number three, uh, we're going to be answering some questions, some more really good questions. The uh, second half that we were unable to get to. I mean, I guess we could have got to him, but Jesus Christ, it would have took forever. Yeah, and I got to be honest, I still haven't really looked at him too hard. (laughs) No one is surprised right now. No (laughs) one is surprised. Uh, So needless to say, we got a lot to get to. But before we get to any of that, Jacob Hopkins, please, sir, take me through. The newsfeed. Excellent. I know a lot of people are going to be excited. I'm guessing present company included. And it's that time of year, so it should be no surprise. But the original, the number one slasher for some people in their, in their heart, Halloween, is coming back to theaters. Yeah, yeah. So <laughs> yes. So just to kick it off, let's, um, when's the last time... You watched Halloween, Jacob. Dude, it's, it has to be over a decade. I no, guarantee. No shit. Yeah. Just, oh, shit. It's one of those I, I feel like, and I know I don't, but I feel like I remember so well that I just don't ever think about revisiting, and, and I probably should, because I guarantee I don't remember it like I think I do. How about you, Matt? Uh, it's certainly been within the past year, um, and I'm planning to watch it again sometime this month, if not in theaters, on the Blu-ray or something like that. Yeah, I actually just went in uh, at Walmart, of all places. I got the entire collection on Blu-ray for 20 bucks, uh, and I watched all of them. Uh, the first one is by far the best. It's uh, it's kind of brutal going because I've also done that, like yeah. just the back to back Halloween uh, marathon. It's you just it get sadder and sadder as, as you, it goes it, on. Definitely. Uh, so yeah, for those of you that ha- have never seen it, my girlfriend has never seen it, and uh, you know, big sh- shocker there. <laughs> uh, so I feel like 
Uh, I've never seen Halloween in theaters, but I was right. able to see the 4K Texas Chainsaw Massacre reboot. Jacob, I know you were able to see the original Alien uh, yep. whenever it was doing its thing. Uh, Matt, have you had the opportunity? I'm, I'm guessing you've, you've, you saw all of them at Fantastic Fest. Did, did you <laughs> did you watch Suspiria when it was there? Um, so I saw Suspiria uh, out here in L.A. just like a couple days ago. It was ama- It was like it was incredible. Uh, Halloween, I've not seen in theaters, but I have oh. seen both Alien and I just saw Texas Chainsaw, but it was 16 millimeter, not 4K, but oh, still wow. amazing. Fancy. Yeah, Fancy. I've, I've talked about my Alien experience before, and that actually is what kind of gets me a little more excited about this, is just being in there, and I have the expectation that everyone's in there like me and seeing it, and they just want to experience it on the big screen. Turns out, not the case. Like you said with your girlfriend, there's a lot of people showing up to see it for the first time and to experience something as epic as Halloween for the first time with a group of people. Yeah. It'd be pretty fucking cool. And to be honest, I mean, I... I it's no secret, like, I shit on a lot of these older school movies, but, like, Halloween still holds up really, really well. I mean, the gems that we like that are out there, they're fucking gems for a reason. Yeah, for sure. So I, I feel wh- like Halloween still is one of those ones that, like, still manages to get better every time I watch it. Yeah. Yeah, no, we, we, without a doubt. Uh, and, and so while we're on the topic of Halloween... Uh, I. It's worth mentioning that there's a website you can go to. We're irresponsible. We don't have the link for you right here. But if you just Google Halloween in theaters, there's you can type in your zip code and they'll tell you where they are. Uh, there's only one showing in Tennessee. Yeah, I guess it shouldn't be too much of a surprise. Nah, it's not. Uh, but I'm definitely going to be going to it. I'm really excited to take Chrissy with it and so she can check it out. Um, but while we're talking about Halloween, some Halloween, um, some Blumhouse Halloween. Oh, yes. uh, some news came out. Uh, Matt, have you heard about this yet? I've heard about some Blumhouse Halloween news, but I don't. I'm now curious to see what <laughs> very specifically you're going to say. No, Matt, read his mind. Come on now. <laughs> so some some casting information trickled out, and I remember la- last well, two weeks ago now, since we missed an yes. episode, we were talking about how cool it would be if Hartnett came back. If we're following this this line, if if they're including H2O in that hashtag, hope for Hartnett. Hashtag hope for Hartnett. Uh, but maybe he's not. Maybe we're going a different direction because someone has been cast as Jamie Lee Curtis's daughter. Interesting. Which, who, who got cast? Do you know? I don't. I was say I, I didn't uh, hear this at all. Yeah, I think it's uh, Judy Greer, right? Yes, that is correct. See, he knew. Yes. He, he knew. Yeah. Just pitch it up for Matt to look like he's awesome. He, yeah. He's <laughs> Got to take care of our guests, <laughs> right? Um, so that makes me think that H two O will not be included because she obviously did not have a daughter in that. So we're doing something completely different. Okay, fair. Yeah, well, I mean, wasn't it rumored that it's just like Halloween one, two, then this new one? Yeah, I mean, that's that. I think it was up for contention for a minute. Like it was one, two, and then skip to H two O. But now it's quite obviously just one and two. Luke had high hopes that H two O would squeeze in there. God, I just like that movie. Sorry, I saw bro. I saw some tweet that went out a while back that was like someone saying like every film was in there somehow, but like I couldn't tell if it was like some sort of weird joke tweet or what exactly the deal was because I feel like most of the responses were just like laughing face emojis. Yeah, I mean you you can't include them all because they don't know they don't there's no linear I, flow to them. Yeah, why, why I mean, would it you would want make to? no sense at all. Yeah, so I'm excited. I'm going to go watch Halloween uh, in theaters, the original. I'm going to go watch the new Blumhouse Halloween in theaters uh, whenever that happens, uh, October whatever of 2018. Um, but yeah, I'm pumped. I, I like experiencing these old school ones in, in theaters. Uh, you would think that there'd be a lot of people chuckling and talking over stuff and like quoting lines at the screen in that. But that, that just wasn't my experience any of the time I've gone to something like this. 
Yeah, Halloween's not really that kind of movie anyways. There wasn't a wealth of dialogue that I remember. Yeah, better not be. Better not be. All right, let's go to a block of news that I'm really, really surprised we're talking about. Even more surprised that I think we're probably going to be a little excited about. And that is sci-fi is hopping into this horror film thing just headfirst. The first one, Never Knock. What'd you think, Luke? Okay, so first off, I agree with you that I'm, I'm surprised that we're talking about sci-fi <laughs> right. right now, but we've been talking about sci-fi. Not, not in a shitty way, either. True, so ever since, uh, I think it was never Dark Sky, I uh, got together with sci-fi uh, to co-produce yes. Stakeland 2, we were kind of like, oh, so sci-fi is doing something. They were on the sly on that one a little bit. Yeah. Uh, yeah and now did they, you guys like Stakeland 2? I haven't seen it yet. Jacob, you did, though. Yeah, I did. I mean, it doesn't have the same kind of charm as the first one, but uh, I don't know, man. It's just... It, it is what it is. It's a stake lander thing, and I, I did enjoy it. Yeah, I, I thought it was like surprisingly good, too. Like I, I had fun with it. They also, I haven't seen this either, but people seem to be fucking loving it, and that's that Blood Drive TV show. Oh, yes. Have either one of you guys seen that? Negative. I've seen roughly 15 minutes of it, and it wasn't because I didn't like it, but I was watching with a group of people, and it turns out that one of the girls there was like deathly afraid slash grossed out by gore and uh, hilariously her boyfriend was unaware of this so like she just suddenly steps out that like blood's just <laughs> flying everywhere she's been in the bathroom for like 10 minutes and everyone's like like where did she go and he's just like oh i don't know she just had to take a shit or something and <laughs> someone else is like no i think she's like puking right now oh, <laughs> and so we wow. that blows my mind that people like there are people like that that exist that get squeamish to the type of shit that we watch or, or create you know all day long it's it, it blows my mind. A That's good bit. PR right there, though. Gro- yeah. So, I, so I, gross, I, the girl had to go puke. I, oh, speaking of which, oh, God. I, uh, during my screening for Revenge, Matt, I don't know if you were in there at the same time that I was, uh, but we had to stop the movie for a minute. Yeah, I was in, I was in that one, too. Yeah, yeah, we had to, because someone, they were literally in the row right behind me. Oh, God. Started having a fucking seizure. Jesus so oh, I think I was in a different. Th- I must have been in a different theater how many than you. Were but they, they did stop. They did stop mine too, though. So they came in. They came and got her, and uh, the ambulance was outside. Once the movie was over, I went outside. It was it was late. It was like the uh, the eleven o'clock show. It was kind of late. Uh, so I go out there and I was like, I just fucking know, like come tomorrow, <laughs> like some headlines could be like, revenge is so gory. Someone passed out and paramedics had to be called. Uh, but you know, it was a seizure. So what are you gonna do? All right, back to Never Knock. Back to Never Knock. I, I, I digress. <laughs> it looks good-ish, I think. Ish. Um, this one feels more sci-fi-ish. Definitely, definitely top tier, I'd oh, say. Oh, no, for sure. Way better than anything I would have expected coming from them, to be quite honest with you. Uh, it looks a little... I don't want... Disney-ish? Like, like not, not like in a shitty way, but like in sort of a cutesy sort of way. So it's kind of got that Tales of Halloween kind of thing, where it's not really trying to be scary or yeah. anything like that. Or if, or if Hocus Pocus was like more serious. Right, yeah. You know? It, it starts off with a little bit of a bang with that kid getting his ass yanked up into that house. Um, yeah, this one definitely is more like that uh, tailor-made for that October season. Like, that's when you want to watch it, and you don't want to watch it any other right. time. It's not, it's not going to be a gore fest or anything. It's just right. a, a spiritual Halloween kind of yeah, movie. Yeah, it's October. What the fuck do I want to watch? I want to watch this because it's in the spirit of Halloween. I think that's the best way I can describe it. I'm, yeah. I'm assuming, is this a movie that is going to play on sci-fi then? Yeah. Okay, cool. Yeah, it, to- it totally feels like one of those, like, uh, October Halloween marathon sort of deals. Yeah, well, I mean... 
and usually those, those marathons are just you know, recycled movies and, and stuff like that. Um, I the remember, bad ones too, because they can afford them. Well, I remember watching another one of their originals called like The Crooked Man, not not the one from like the the Conjuring spinoff that's in the works. I know what or you're something. talking about. I never uh, watched it, but, but another I know. one. It was pretty good. Was it? Like. Uh, it's got awful cover art. It does. It's the worst, but like, it's not bad. It's just a kind of creepy movie. Like, it's not going to win any awards or blow anyone's minds, but it was a fun and entertaining watch. I think Never Knock's going to be pretty much the same thing. I agree with that. I mean, I'll give it a gander. It's good enough for, for my eyes. How about that? <laughs> the, the, the best compliment. So what do you think, Matt? I, I, Are you in or you I out? Also, I would watch this. Yeah. There it is, Matt Stewart's stamp of approval. There I don't know is. what more you fucking need. But I, I don't have Sci-Fi Channel though, so I probably won't watch it. <laughs> I mean, technically, <laughs> but, I but don't once either. Once it pops up on like Netflix or something, I'll totally, I'll totally check it out. It, yeah, fair. But it, when I say I'm gonna watch it, it's probably exactly what's gonna happen with me too. <laughs> let's stay in the sci-fi realm and let's move over to Truth or Dare. Now, when I heard this title, I go, I know exactly where the fuck we're going. We're going to go to this, this whole kind of. Uh, would you rather kind of subgenre? And I was like, I just don't know if I want that anymore. But I'm a little bit surprised by this one. Uh, this one really surprised me that it is coming in from sci-fi. I don't know if they're going to have to show it in like an edited form on TV. But this trailer is just gnarly shit happening and screaming and music escalating for three fucking minutes. Like shit is going down. I appreciated that the trailer made it basically seem like Jumanji as a horror film. And I was like... <laughs> I was kind of into that. Like once it gets to where you're like, okay, we got to finish the game. I, I was like, okay, I'm kind of into this idea. Yeah. Interesting that you say that because there is another movie that uh, we watched back at South by Southwest uh, called game of death. And that one was billed as like the Jumanji of horror. I liked that one. Jacob didn't did not. Oh, yeah. I really wanted to check that out, but I haven't gotten a chance to yet. We'll, we'll sync up. <laughs> so, <laughs> mileage may vary on that one. Yeah, I mean, I really liked it. It was gory, whatever. This one seems like uh, it's for a much wider audience than that one was, and I think yes. it's going to do pretty well, probably. Like this, this seems like a really good time to me. Yeah, it's got a budget scars guard in there. The, the the main blonde guy looked like a budget scars guard to me. Well, I mean, if this is from the same director that did the girl in the photographs, right. who, which we were also, uh, I liked that one, Jacob, you didn't like it as much. Yeah. Um, but that was the killer from girl in the photographs. Oh shit. I don't even remember. Yeah. It's just yeah. creepy, like skeletal face looking. motherfucker. Right. Uh, he does his damn thing. He seems like he's going to be good in this. I was thrown off by the su- supernatural vibe. Cause I thought it was just going to be, you know, some psychotic one yeah. of the group forcing them all to do fucked up things. And there are fucked up things happening in this this movie, this blows my mind that sci-fi is going to go this route. I just can't believe it. But like Matt was saying, like introducing those sci-fi, those supernatural, supernatural. elements, that's kind of what makes it like the Jumanji sort of vibe, right? Because like it's... It, it, yeah, the, it seemed like Jumanji meets Unfriended or something like along those lines. Yeah, it, it, it does seem very teeny still, yes. like to that sort of uh, target audience, but fuck man, I'm in. Like, to, to think that two of the movies that I'm looking forward to watching, and there are a lot of movies coming out in October, um, to think that two of those are sci-fi originals kind of blows my mind. It's crazy, dude. And I think the supernatural, what you guys are talking about, also helps bridge the gap for just the average horror watcher. Yeah, not just, just violence, violence, violence right. all, all the time, which who doesn't want that, to be honest? <laughs> yeah, I feel like it is cool, too, because... There's, I feel like there's not really like a good horror channel these days. So like, you know, at least in the United States that I know of. So it's cool that 
you know, sci-fi is like putting out some decent looking stuff. Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. They, they, there's Chiller. Chiller is out there now. He said good. Uh, well, come on. <laughs> and there, I, I feel like I haven't even really heard of any Chiller originals in a while. And maybe I'm just not paying attention to it. But right. I feel like the last thing I really heard of from Chiller was like that uh, spinoff from VHS. VHS. Yeah, and that sucked. Um, they also did Fender Bender, which kind of felt like a sci-fi original. Uh, it was just kind of kind of cheesy, but a lot of fun and like a, a decent watch. It's on Shutter now, so if you got Shutter, you can check it out. Uh, but, oh, sweet! But yeah, uh, Chill- Chiller is like the horror channel, what it kind of used to be, I guess. Uh, but I am all for sci-fi, like stepping up their game and sort of becoming that new channel because they've got they're run by NBC, like they've got money to play with. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Well, there you go. We sci-fi block. Who would have thought? Right. So let's head over to the one that everyone's familiar with, and we're going to be visiting in round number two, Netflix. A little bit of Netflix news here. Let's start off with The Babysitter, which, man, I I didn't know where this was going to go. I thought I knew, and then by the time the trailer was over, I was like, this scratches that itch that I always kind of get with this uh, horror comedy, Tucker and Dale versus Evil kind of style. Because this one is not taking itself seriously, but it still looks fucking hilarious. Yeah, I'm going to divert to uh, Matt first on this one. What do you think, Matt? Yeah, so I... Uh, the other day, I saw this trailer popped up, and I I watched a little bit of it, and I had a feeling it was going to get a little spoilery, so I just kind of, like, skimmed around. Mm-hmm. And I saw, like, one, there's, like, lots of pretty people in it. Then I, like, cut to a clip, and there's, like, blood just shooting, like, crazy <laughs> out of the head. And I was just like, fuck yeah, like, I'm so into this. And, I, you know, I'd heard about the film before, so I was already, like, a little bit interested, but just the visuals of it. And just some ridiculous amount of blood and just like the way it was shot and the fact that it's on Netflix for free. I'm like, yeah, I'm totally watching this on Friday the 13th. Isn't it funny that we because uh, I've done that so many times. Like we say it's on Netflix for free. Like we pay for Netflix. But we, 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 <laughs> we do. But we almost I, don't, I mean, I know I do. That is true. It just it like it, it feels seems, like a utility, uh, like water or yeah. something, you know? <laughs> Yeah, pretty much. I mean, I mean, who doesn't have Netflix? I, I'm sure people prioritize Netflix over their water. Oh, for sure, for sure. Uh, I just thought that was funny. Um, but yeah, man, I was in the same position. I, I'm. I feel like Netflix burned me on their last one. Uh, I did not like Little Evil in any way, shape, or form. Uh, so whenever I fired this up, I see all the vibrant colors. I see all the gorgeous people. I'm like, God damn it, here we go again. Uh, but then shortly after that, like, like Matt, you just said, like, there's literally like a fountain of fucking blood, like pouring out of someone's head. Uh, it's this weird, like ritual cult thing that's going on, like meets the girl next door. Like it, it, it seems to be funny in all of the right ways and gory in all the best ways. Megan Navarro was telling me, uh, back at South by Southwest, she was doing an interview with a producer. I forget which movie he was working on, but he actually dro- name dropped, uh, the babysitter in that oh. uh, saying that it was one of oh, the nice. best, he said it was one of the best scripts he's read like in a very, very long time. And I think at the time new line was actually going to do it. And then like a bidding war heated up and then Netflix ended up buying it. Damn. Think about that, that Netflix has enough power now to outbid new line. That's nuts. That's super well, yeah, nuts. I, I love that Netflix, these Netflix movies, like they spend so much money on them too, which is amazing. But like, I feel like that movie from a, standard studio would probably be a lot more low budget and probably less insane and they'd have to tone it down and so i'm kind of like you know not i don't love every netflix movie that comes out but like i'm kind of into how netflix is just like we do not give a fuck we will do anything (laughs) like we will show any movie on here 
Yeah, and, and they can produce it in like this theatrical sort of quality, and like you said, yeah, just exactly. ha- have a fountain of blood coming out of someone's fucking forehead. Like they can do that. Now, I love yeah. that you both uh, both mentioned how gorgeous everybody is because they actually do address that at some point in the trailer. <laughs> and then my favorite uh, awesome. though is like the guy's like, "Why do you?" The kid he's like, "Why do you have your shirt off?" Because like homeboy's <laughs> yeah. just shredded with no shirt on, and they're just like, "What?" Uh, so that's going to be a little taste if you don't want to watch the trailer. It's just going to be that kind of self-aware ridiculous. Yeah, so that one's dropping on Friday the 13th on Netflix. Um, Happy Death Days dropping oh, theatrically so that, that day. Uh, I think Found Footage 3D is hitting Shutter on that day. Jesus. Uh, there's, there's a lot to do oh, wow. on Friday the 13th. All right. And let's are, you guys, with- are you guys stoked for uh, Happy Death Day? Yes. I am. Like, I didn't think I would be. Uh, and I know it just got the rating of uh, PG thirteen not long ago. I don't care. Like I, it just looks like a lot of fun. What do you think? That, yeah, I am really excited for it. I wish it was rated R, but it's not gonna. I mean, I'm absolutely gonna go see it the day it comes out. Yeah, same here. I'm not sure this is the kind of movie that needs rated R. To be honest with you guys, though, I think this one just the concept alone can stand uh, a PG thirteen. Yeah, I don't know that it needs to either, but. I feel like with Death Day in the title, I would love to get some just some just super graphic kills. But I mean, who I don't really know the tone of the movie, so might could be totally fine. I don't know. I mean, I, I kind of slapped him. Like, I would prefer it to be R. Like, you I, always I would prefer. Pre- prefer to see some gnarly, like, neck slashes and, you know, a couple F bombs here and there. Like, it just kind of makes me feel like I'm watching some, some shit, but I don't know. I'm down. Same. Um, speaking of Netflix. Yes. Speaking of Netflix. We talked about this, I I don't know how many episodes ago, because we can't remember anything, but (laughs) The Ritual just got acquired by Netflix, and that was the one that we were both super stoked for. It was the group of guys backpacking, and they run into some weird shit in the woods, and it cracks off. Yep, so the fella that wrote the uh, now-vanished Friday the 13th reboot uh, did this one as well, and... um. Yeah, it, the trailer looked really, really good. We didn't know when it was going to come out. And apparently Netflix just scooped it up. Uh, Matt, like you were saying, uh, they, they pay well uh, for $4.57 million. Ooh, yeah, Jesus. that was like out of a festival or something. Yeah, yeah. If they picked that one up. Is that, that's the David Bruckner film that's as well, one, right? Yeah. Sweet. Yeah, I'm, I'm stoked for that. See, we've got Matt on for all the uh, good color stuff with the, all the knowledge. We're just here for, you know, other reasons. We'll throw it out into the ether, <laughs> right. and if someone wants to make it nice you and know, pretty, I it's can, fine. I can we're, do a name drop every once in a while. We're just the vessel for Matt's knowledge. That's, that's <laughs> what we are. Uh, but that's cool, man. Like, I, again, like, it's cool to see Netflix doing doing really, really cool stuff, uh, in, in the especially in the genre realm. Uh, horror is super hot right now. I guess we'll talk about that in round number three a little bit. But Netflix is absolutely cashing in on that, uh, the, the, the craze at the moment. Super, super happy to have a juggernaut like Netflix get behind the genre. It's good for everybody. Well, yeah. Have you guys seen how ridiculous the marketing, and in a good way, is for Stranger Things too? Oh yeah, out of control. Like they just right they now. just dropped like a, that uh, like sixteen bit video game today for free and like for free. It looks I haven't played it yet, but it looks awesome. And like all those posters are great. Oh, they, it's like all of those. It's crazy. Yeah, I mean they 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 can do it, man. They can. I, I was reading something a while back uh, of how like some people are wondering like how Netflix is going to continue to do this over a long period of time, uh, because the amount of money that they're spending versus the number of new subscribers that they're bringing on month after month or year over year, the the, the math doesn't make sense. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see how long they can keep this up. Yeah, de- agreed. All right. Speaking of horror. We, we've got a guy with us who knows a thing or two about making horror movies. Sure. Uh, 
Matt is the director of Tonight She Comes. I know we've talked about that a few times, and you know some of you lucky bastards might get to see it real soon. Not only yes. will the lucky bastards be able to see it, but for one night only on, what is it going to be Thursday, right. correct? The day yeah. after today, the 5th, October 5th, Thursday, October 5th, one night only, Tonight She Comes PM. in theaters. There it is. 7.30 p.m. This will teach you 10, to listen 10, to the 10, oh, 10, 10, 10.30. My bad. That way, you know, she can come. Why the movie's going. There, there you go. There exactly, that came exactly. out a little funny, but you know, you take that however you want to take it. <laughs> 10, 10.30 p.m. Uh, so, Matt, uh, Jacob and I, we've both seen the movie. Uh, I, w- I was a big fan of it. Uh, it's speaking of nasty shit. Like, it's, a, it's got some nasty shit all over it. Man, let me talk about that, right? <laughs> so, I, I knew there was some yes. hype behind this thing, Matt. And uh, I turned it on. I'll be completely honest with you and everybody. I was like, really? This is... This is all the hype machine right here? What's what's happening? What's happened with everybody? And then it got going, and I was like, oh, okay. I'm interested now. This is a cool thing. And then by the end of that movie, I was like, what the fuck is wrong with Matt Stewart? I just watched yes. some shit that I was not ready for, man. This is, yes, this is the best. This is the reaction I hope for. <laughs> well, you got it, dude. I was just like, the fuck? No, the funny thing is, is whenever, whenever I watched... You uh, didn't warn me, Luke. Fuck you. Well, that's not the kind of thing you can... <laughs> Yeah, how, do, how do you prepare someone you, for that? You really can't. You can't prepare anyone for this. Uh, that is, I mean, that is one of the... It's kind of an unfortunate thing about the movie. Is like all the stuff that I want to talk about are the stuff that I talk about with people after they've seen it. Yeah. It's yes. the stuff that I can't say anything about before they've seen it. So it's like... It's yeah. like that interesting little, little thing. It's like, why should I see this movie? Uh, well, it has these things in it that... I can't really tell you about because it's way better if you don't know what's going to happen. You say it's got some shit in there that's going to change your life. (laughs) Exactly. So, I mean, talk to us a little bit about the entire process because, I mean, I I feel like, God damn, I feel like we've been talking about this movie for about almost a year, probably. Easy. Yeah, I I think it was almost exactly like a year ago that I first came on the podcast. Yeah. So uh, what what has happened in that year? I mean, it's been a long stretch for this thing. Yeah. uh, So, like. Pretty much exactly a year ago, it debuted at film festivals, like in the UK, sort of all over the place, just a bunch of festivals. Uh, I went to some of those, which is super fun, super great. Uh, got, you know, nervous as hell, of course, for like the first <laughs> screening of it. Um, but it went over really well. And even a couple of people who really hated it, like were super nice. And it was pretty fun to talk to them afterwards. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like one of those things where like, I like luckily got some like pretty kick-ass reviews from festivals, um, had a lot of fun with it. And then it's just like, you get into that process of, okay, now let's take this around to companies, see who wants to release it. Um, funnily enough, a few, like I got a few emails from people that were like, Hey, we love this thing, but unfortunately it's too extreme for us to release. And I was like, okay, this is a great email to have, but (laughs) it also sucks. But uh, and the funny thing, too, is, and I don't know if this says something about me, but I don't really think of it as an extreme movie at all. Well, that's like the thing you, that blows yeah, my like mind is because I, I, I remember when I, when, I, when I finished watching it, I sent you a text or an email or some shit. And I was talking about how fucking gnarly it was. And you're like, Psh, I'm working on something way worse than that. Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah, that, I mean, that <laughs> is actually the case. The, a script that I have now, that's hopefully the next thing I'll do. Uh, fingers crossed. It's like if you thought Tonight She Comes was like. Let's say tonight she come. Let's say this next movie is a ten on the crazy scale. Then tonight she comes is like a three. Oh Holy my god! Shit. <laughs> oh my it's god! A, it's pretty balls to the wall in terms of uh, I, I, this. So for this next one, and th- I mean, this was a lot of the way that I went 
about doing Tonight She Comes too, but I'm just like, okay, if I've seen something before, with obvious ex- exceptions, because there are like certain moments that are just clear homages to other things, sure. but I'm like, okay, I just want to do some kills that have never been seen on screen. Like, I want to do something like, okay, this kill is going to be for this type of person that's just super grossed out by this thing. Like, I want them to just be like retching when this happens and like just, I don't know, just totally shocked. And, and it's not like, a, I mean, there is like obviously a story behind it too. So it's not just like, okay, I, it's just kills, kills, kills. But it's just like anytime I want a character to die, I want it to be in like a super memorable, like <clears throat> original way. So you're shopping it around. Some people say we can't release it because it's too extreme. Uh, but then you end up in fucking theater. So how does that happen? Yeah. Uh, well, I just uh, like I get an email from my sales company one day and they're just like, hey, what do you think about this? Like, we're looking at like releasing in 76 theaters, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I mean, awesome. I wasn't <laughs> expecting that. Like, you know, if anything, I was expecting like it would hit L.A. for like a day and that's yeah. it. So I, I don't know. It's pretty sweet. And I know like luckily I've built up some friends, just some online friends and stuff that have been kind of looking forward to it. And so I'm, it's like really cool now that they'll be able to go check it out in theaters and even some like people at Fantastic Fest I was talking to about it. I'm just like, guys, it's playing like a few miles away from you. You should go see it. Here's what blows my mind about this movie, too, is it's obviously budget. I mean, you, you had to work hard to make this film, but just like it's not gnarly just because of the concept of gnarly. It's gnarly because it looks fucking gnarly. The special effects on this thing just were mind numbing. I couldn't believe what I was. Lo- Actually, I could believe what I was looking at, and that's the problem. <laughs> I could believe it. Um, yeah, thanks, man. The uh, I had like an amazing FX team on it. Uh, it's primarily this woman, Chase Bradley, at, that uh, I basically just met via like a contact of someone else that was working on the film, and. Like she had done some effects work on films before, but this was her first FX lead on a film. And it was great because like in the pre-production, I would just be like, okay, I want to see this and I want to see it like close up and I want it to look super real. And even she would be like, uh, uh, and there's like a few <laughs> seconds yeah. of just like thinking about it. And then she's like, okay, yeah, I think we can do this. Jesus. Just as close as possible. I mean, super close. I mean, a lot of things. Yeah, just super yeah. close and super r- realistic. The funny thing, too, is, and I know this for anyone listening, they're just like, what the hell? Like, oh, yeah. you're yeah, very worried about things. But, uh, like, in the script for the movie, it's actually a lot less, it's a lot more tame for certain moments. Like, basically, all of the moments that get the biggest audience reactions in the movie are a lot tamer in the script. And then it's like, I was on set and we were shooting it, and I'm like, this looks so good. Let's just push in. And instead of cutting away, let's just get even closer and just stay on this shot for like two minutes. <laughs> I, I actually thought about that as I watched it. I go, what the fuck is Matt telling these people like to direct them when he's trying to shoot some of these things? He's got to be saying some ridiculous shit has to be coming out of his mouth to, oh, there, to direct yeah, these there shots. Was, there certainly was a lot of ridiculousness. I mean, even like some key shots that are like my favorite things were like, we got like a little bit safer of a shot and then it was just like this looks good let's get like let's get one foot away instead of eight feet away (laughs) (laughs) so the good news is i mean yeah we are we are being vague as fuck and talking about things sort of uh beating around the bush uh but this episode is going to drop maybe later tonight maybe tomorrow morning uh where if you're listening now maybe you've already had the opportunity to see the movie in theaters so you know exactly what we're talking about or maybe this will motivate you to get your ass to a theater to watch it 
Definitely, if you are in that ladder where you can get your ass to the theater and watch it, definitely do it because that way we can have a conversation about the extreme shit that's going on and you get to support a cool guy who's trying to do the damn thing. And 76 screens is not insignificant, so check no. it out. And there, there, There's more than likely something within driving distance. Yeah, we're not talking about yeah, Blumhouse here. If you're, uh, if you're in L.A. too, I will be there along with some of the cast and crew. Oh, shit. And uh, it's going to be pretty fun. I hear this, the L.A. screen that it's playing on is like pretty big too, so I'm stoked about that. Make sure they play it loud. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right, guys. Um, we got anything else? That's on this the news feed, man. That's the news feed. Uh, so I neglected to uh, say something in our intro. Oh, shit. Yeah, I fucked up. What'd you, what'd you fuck up? I so, missed it this time. Yeah. So I actually had a conversation with a, fr- a fellow named Preston DeFrancis. Oh, yeah. Yes, uh, yes. As well as producer Trista Bissett. Uh, who are the folks behind a movie working through festivals right now oh, called yes, yes. Ruin Me. Uh, so I had a cool chat with them. Very, very cool people and avid supporters and listeners of the podcast. So uh, as we take a break to readjust and get shit situated, go ahead and have a listen to uh, our chat there. are back and we're not just back but we're back with a couple of friends you guys might remember a few episodes ago we were talking about a movie called ruin me and the entire idea around that film uh, was that this couple sort of goes off into the woods as part of this extreme haunted attraction you know as you do uh, but as they're out there shit just sort of starts to fall apart and them and the the rest of the folks around them are forced to sort of think about you know, is this all sort of part of the experience, the extreme haunt experience, or has shit gone terribly wrong and, and, and we're in danger? So that's the idea of Ruin Me. And right now we are lucky enough to be joined by both the director and the co-writing team behind the film itself. So thank you guys both for joining us. Uh, I really, really, really do appreciate it. So before we jump in and start talking about Ruin Me, uh, how about you guys just tell me a little bit about yourselves and how you are associated with the movie? I'm Preston D. Francis. I am the director and co-writer. And I am Trista Bissett. I am the co-writer, executive producer, and editor. And, and w- wait a minute. Do you, do you need me to like play you in or anything like that? Should I? Behold the crucifix. Uh, the <laughs> That's what, awesome. I've always wanted to know where does that theme music come from and whose voice is that saying that? Yeah, you know, there's actually uh, there's this local EDM artist way back in the day uh, when we first started a podcast. We had a third member and his name was Dustin Reed. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dustin Reed actually lived with a uh, pretty successful uh, electronic musician uh, in the Nashville area. Uh, and then whenever it came time to do the podcast, we asked him if he'd make up a quick little introduction song for us. Uh, and he did. He is that's, that's the song that we use today. And those vocals that you hear are literally a reading from the Satanic Bible. Uh, some some <laughs> verse. Crazy. Uh, we didn't even realize what it said for a long time, but we thought it sounded ominous as fuck. And we're like, yeah, that's gnarly, man. Let's use that. Uh, so there it is. Nice, wow. nice. Yeah. So I, I remember whenever. Uh, uh, Preston, I think it was you sent me an email a, a few weeks ago, a couple months ago, I, I forget, mm-hmm. uh, with the press materials for Ruin Me in there. And I remember knowing, like, yeah, this this seems like it's going to be right up my alley. It seems cool. The idea seems cool. Uh, 
Um, but my my expectations were realistic. It was going to be like a small scale film. Uh, I had honestly never really heard anything that you guys had been to, involved with in the past, so I, I didn't really know what to expect other than it sounded cool. Now that I've seen it, uh, and I don't want to sound like a dick here, but it way way surpassed my expectations. Like this movie kicks ass. So first off, uh, congrats. Thank you, thank you, Luke. I really appreciate it. So, I mean, that being said, where, where did this whole thing come from? I mean, I think a lot of our listeners are, are familiar with, you know, extreme haunts and on location haunted houses and stuff like that. But, I mean, have you guys ever done anything like that? Uh, is, is your fear of doing something like that the catalyst for this movie? Like, where did this come from? So, we have done some extreme haunts. Um, we did Blackout in Los Angeles. Um, and we also did The Great Horror Campout. Um, and when we did those things, they were really cool and they were really weird and you had to do some crazy stuff that we're not supposed to talk about. <laughs> but um, we weren't really scared. Uh, and so we just started thinking, like, what would it take if we were doing one of these things? What would it take to actually get us scared? And I think um, one of the things that that these places don't do is like really sort of tap into your inner demons. Um, so the psychological horror part of it, I think, is the most scary thing. Yeah, I mean, that's a part of the movie that uh, I really appreciated and one that's really not that far fetched when you think of it. I mean, mm-hmm. um, all, all of our shit's kind of out there in the open on social media. So you would think like if you were to sign up for something like this, whoever's running it could theoretically take a look at what you have going on in your life and potentially exploit that. So that's kind of cool. Absolutely. And there are actually a uh, there's one in Los Angeles, which is starting to do stuff like that. From what I understand, it's called the tension experience. Um, but uh, I, I am not getting anywhere near that one. <laughs> I hear that they will call you at work, that they will. Oh, my they God. With your shit. So that that one, uh, I'm going to leave that one to somebody else to do. So how did I mean, obviously, Trista, you were saying you walked away sort of disappointed uh, that you weren't actually, you know, scared. So uh, why not? Like, I'm, I'm looking. I mean, this movie, your movie ruined me. It, it made me anxious just thinking of being in the wilderness and knowing that someone could creep up at you at any time. Like, was it what disappointed you about those real life experiences? Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say I was disappointed because I'm so glad that I did it, you know, because it gives you, you know, good conversation topics for talking with people who are like, you did what? (laughs) Um, but like in blackout, uh, you go in by yourself, you have to sign a waiver. Um, and you know, I was initially scared a little bit because you have to stand in the dark for a really long time before something happens. But then once things started happening, I was just like so aware that, you know, this is this is safe. Uh, these guys are actors. Nothing really bad is going to happen to me. Um, and with the great horror camp out, uh, it was a blast. It was so much fun. But there were like 200 people there. So you're surrounded by people all the time um you know there there aren't as many jump out and scare you kind of things um there are monsters wandering around and preston did get pulled out of our tent at like 3 a.m which was pretty cool it was awesome actually (laughs) (laughs) um but again it was you know there's like a safety net there you know that there are people around there's like a first aid tent like nothing terrible is going to happen to you 
Yeah, I mean, something that ruined me does really well, I think, is that, uh, like you said, you were in that room, you were standing in the dark, but once shit starts cracking off, you know that these are actors and, and you're safe. Uh, the people in Ruin Me are entering with that same assumption, but you guys, what you do so well is that you cast that doubt really, really early in the film uh, to wonder like what is part of the show and what isn't. And if I was involved in something like that, I think that would be the scariest part. Awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. So how do, you, how do you implement that? Like, Obviously, that was something that stuck with you in your real life experiences. So was that something that was important for you to stress in the movie itself? Absolutely. Um, it, you know, the, it, it goes back to a paradigm that uh, 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 David Fincher did really well with the game uh, of really creating that um, question in the audience's mind, because the, the audience, when, when they sit down to watch the movie, they know they're watching a movie. And so they are expecting a certain, a uh, number of twists and a certain number of reveals. And what we really tried to do was try to play with the audience's expectations. Um, so for instance, very early on in the movie, we, uh, are, we introduced this element of Alex uh, taking a pill. And uh, part of our idea of doing that was that audiences who've watched a bunch of horror movies or movies in general, have a certain set of expectations or a certain, they, they will try to get ahead of you as, as the writer yes. and say, oh, she's taking a pill. Maybe this means that, and maybe this means that. And we try to be in our writing of this screenplay, hyper aware of what the audience was bringing into the theater with them and what they would be thinking would be happening next. <laughs> And then trying to subvert those expectations and trying to stay, if we did our job, we tried to stay one step ahead of what you, the audience, is guessing is, is really going on. Yeah, I mean, uh, well, you definitely did your job. I watched this one last night with uh, my girlfriend who doesn't watch any of this shit, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, we had two very different experiences. And the whole time, both of us were confused. Like, we didn't really know... What was going on? I didn't know what was going on until literally like the last five minutes of the movie. Um, But she's like, oh, it's going to be this. It's going to be this. And I'm like, well, no, it's not going to be that because you saw this. And they're trying to make us think that. Um, So we're like, we're playing this game with each other. Like me being like this genre guy that thinks I know it all and her not knowing anything and and sort of going for the most primitive, basic uh, outcome. Uh, and we were both wrong. So that, that was really, <laughs> yeah. really cool. And so what, what is great about, about you as an audience member and, and this podcast in general is that I, I think our biggest challenge as new, new filmmakers and new artists who are, who are, this is our first feature that we're putting out into the world that we have produced ourselves, that um, a lot of people will sit down for this movie and and they will expect it to not be well thought out or expect it to not be well written. And when they see those things that they think are they're ahead of, maybe they'll, you know, they'll turn they'll turn turn off the movie or not be excited about it. But what's great about modern horrors is that you guys uh, are, are open to new artists like us and uh, have given us a fair shake and, and, and seen that uh, we can we can bring something to the table. Oh, you mean you guys absolutely did. Again, I, I can't I can't 
it sounds like an asshole, but like it, it definitely surpassed my expectations. Uh, so, so good no, job. No, no, no. You don't sound like an asshole. We like that's we like better it. than not surpassing. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, so anyway, the, the movie uh, was it the world premiere of Fright Fest? It was. Yes. Were you guys both there? We were. It was the best time ever. It was so cool. <laughs> Could you guys actually see like audience reactions? Were, were you paying attention to that kind of thing? Like looking around, seeing if people were trying to like discuss and figure it out? Yes, for sure. Um, and, and they, and the, this, the Fright Fest audience really got into it. If it, it, I, I, I think I, I've heard you say on past podcasts that you guys have never been. Um, I, I would say that if if you at any point in your in your careers have the chance to go so uh the the festival directors alan and paul have built this over the last 18 years and this this is just an incredible festival with um incredible energy and they were so welcoming to us um i saw i think nine other features in addition to my own when i was there and just just the love and the support and the excitement from that audience for our world premiere was was awesome. Yeah, that, that's fantastic. So, other than Fright Fest, I mean, that's uh, in in the UK, uh, in the United States. Where where has this been playing so far over here? So so far, um, it has been at Horror Hound in Indianapolis. Awesome. Uh, that was last week, I think. Um, and, uh, this weekend we're going to be at women in horror in Atlanta and also the NOLA horror film festival. And right before this airs, uh, I, I think those actually will be in the past. Once this airs, uh, <laughs> we will be headed to, uh, Philadelphia for the, uh, Philadelphia unnamed film festival right on the heels of this airing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And that seems like a cool fest, man. That's actually uh, where we're covering. That's the angle that we're approaching the coverage for this movie at. So it seems like some really cool people over there. So uh, you're in good company there. Awesome. Awesome. And we are we are especially excited because it will be showing in, in our hometown of Los Angeles um, at Scream Fest, which is at the Grauman's Chinese Theater. And I, you know, I've been an attendee at Scream Fest in years past, and it's a dream come true to, to be a part of it and have our film have our film show as part of that festival. That's awesome, man. Uh, our own Mania Daniel will be there representing modern horrors. So maybe you guys could hook up and uh, exchange words. Awesome. Yes, cool. Cool, guys. So what, what happens after Ruin Me? I mean, I can't help but... Uh, Again, ask the asshole sort of questions, but it's sort of my job. So, of course, now that we're happy that Ruin Me is out there and now that everything is happy-go-lucky, of course we want to know what's coming next. And I look at your Twitter, uh, Preston, and I see next, director, co-writer of After the Summer. What is After the Summer? So, After the Summer is uh, going to be our follow-up project. It's another horror film. Um, This one... Uh, we hope to go back to the same town where we shot Ruin Me. Um, the thing that you don't get to see in Ruin Me is really the the essence of this town because you just see, you know, the woods um, and a couple of other places. But Muskegon, Michigan, where we shot it, is the coolest place ever, I think. <laughs> um, and we're creating sort of a new mythology and uh, that's surrounding this town. Um, creating some local legends, and uh, I'll let Preston talk about what it's actually about. 
So it, it revolves around a, a young woman uh, uh, around 21 years of age who uh, is about to enter her final year of college, and she's in a, a headspace in her life similar to um, the Dustin Hoffman character from the movie The Graduate, where she just her, her parents are, are are wealthy and she has what seems to be a bright future ahead of her, but she's just a little disillusioned with following that path. And, and uh, she's she's in this this small town where her uh, family spends their summers. And while they're there, there's a murder that happens in the town. And uh, uh, this piques her interest. And she starts digging around and investigating and thinks that maybe it might be due to some sort of ancient evil that exists in the town. So she, instead of going back to college, she lies to her parents. She tells her parents she's going to go back to college, but she doesn't. She decides to stay in this little town after the summer to investigate this murder. After the summer, if you will. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that sounds fantastic. And and honestly, uh, again, I, I apologize for being less than familiar with the rest of your guys' work, but uh, something that I really really loved about Ruin Me was just the writing and the way that the different characters came around. Uh, it kind of reminded me. I mean, even just the different types of characters. Like I remember watching, you know, older horror movies like uh, Sleepaway Camp, especially the sequels, mm-hmm. and you, and you had like these different. Um, types of characters like you had the goth kids back then or like the the one black guy with the boom box or something like that very stereotypical and you guys kind of brought a little bit of that into ruin me was that on purpose yeah we wanted to uh make sure that we had firmly in our minds what had come before in the in the slasher especially this uh summer camp slasher uh oeuvre uh, i'm a huge friday the 13th fan um, and so I certainly brought, uh, brought all that with me, uh, in, in writing the script. Um, uh, but we also wanted to make sure that we, we had those in our minds, but that we grounded it in, in, uh, uh in reality and in, in what would actually happen in this situation so that, so that it, so that you as the audience is sort of in the shoes of Alex, our, our protagonist in in feeling the reality of of this situation and we did want to have sort of those stock characters that you're supposed to have but we wanted them to be like real people not just be caricatures but be you know have more depth to them than you would see in a typical horror film yeah, success there as well, I think. But something that I think will will resonate with with lovers of the genre, just like all of us are here. Um, there is like some some nods, uh, less so nods than blatant callouts by one character in particular. Uh, mm-hmm. the, the the pitch black remarks and stuff that are they're just really really mm-hmm. funny. Uh, how much of that stuff did you guys just really like? try hard to shoehorn in how like how, of these references and stuff. How important was that to, to include? I think it was just something that we, that we've tried to let flow organically from, uh, that particular character. The particular character is sort of our, our fanboy character, um, uh, as part of this group. And, and we just tried to be, uh, honest to what, what a, a fan, a horror fanboy, what sort of references he might make and what sort of jokes he, he might crack. Um, we we wanted to have that sense that that meta sense, especially starting the movie. Um, but part of our goal was to, as the movie moves forward in its narrative, we wanted to it, it it to mature in a way, and 
if if you notice those those references as as the movie matures, those references become less and less, and at a certain mm-hmm. point, um, sort of fall off. Um, and it, 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 we take we start meta, and we kind of turn it. We turn the meta dial back as we go deeper into the narrative. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, something that I. Uh, I really feel that Ruin Me is a, and this sounds like I'm being, uh, like I'm blowing smoke or something. I'm not. Like, it Ruin Me, it, it's, a, it's a movie for horror fans. Like, it, it just is. Uh, I, I watched it again with, with Chrissy, who doesn't know any of this stuff. And I'm sitting there, I'm, I'm, ca- I'm cackling. Like, I'm dying laughing at some of the, <laughs> at some of the uh, one-liners that are in here. And she... It goes right over her head. That doesn't mean that she doesn't enjoy the overall product. She really liked it. But mm-hmm. if you love the genre, if you love the movies that came before this, uh, you're going to get a lot more out of it, I think, which is really cool. Awesome. That's definitely our, – our goal was definitely to make something that fans would would really appreciate but that hopefully uh, non-horror fans also can get into. That, that the, you know, the references go by quickly enough that it's not something that – that they need to know or that they'll get hung up on that they can enjoy it as well. Yeah. So success all around guys. Uh, anything else you guys want to throw out here? Anything you're working on now? Anything you've got coming up? Anything we glossed over on the movie? Anything at all? Uh, I just think that uh, we are so excited to, uh, you know, this has been a labor of love for us. We first had the idea about four years ago uh, and uh, we produced this entirely independently. Uh, we, you know, raise the money ourselves and, and put it, put it together entirely ourselves and to, uh, be able to have, uh, the opportunity to world premiere at a place like Fright Fest and, and now to, you know, uh, come on a podcast like Modern Horrors that I've been a fan and listener uh, of for, for so much time. It's just really, it's really exciting for us and it's really an honor. Uh, yeah. So thank, thank you, Luke, for having us on the show. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, my, my pleasure. Trust me. Uh, one last thing. So, some of these movies, they float around in film festivals for fucking ever uh, before the average Joe might be able to watch them on VOD or buy a Blu-ray or something. Uh, is there any, uh, I know you probably can't talk too much about it, but have there been discussions at least on uh, how to get this in the hands and in front of the eyes of the everyday Joe? Uh, absolutely. Um, we do have a, we, after we, the Fright Fest announcement, we were able to sign with a, a sales agent, uh, uh, Jenga films out of the UK and, uh, they are fantastic and are, and they're sort of doing that work to try to, to try to get its distribution. We know how to, to make the movie really well, but we, you know, we don't know fuck all about, uh, about, you know, distribution and stuff like that. So, uh, have, having, uh, someone like Jenga films who's done it before and, and represents other really great, uh, genre films to help us on that journey, uh, hopefully it will happen sooner rather than later, but you know, we, we don't know. We're just, we, we're doing the festivals now and we're going to do our best, uh, to attend as many as we can and meet as many people and fans as we can and show it to as many people as we can in that, in that way. And hopefully, uh, it'll, it'll find its way out, uh, out to the masses sooner rather than later. Cool. Well, again, thank you guys so much. I really appreciate it. I really enjoyed the movie. I can't wait for other people to see it. So if it is in a film festival in your uh, driving radius, drive to it, watch it. You want to see it. Ruin me. Kicks ass. Uh, Preston, uh, thank you so much. Tristan, thank you so much. I appreciate it so very, very much. Awesome. You too, Luke. Thanks, man. Thank you. Bye-bye. We are out of (laughs) here.
back. Now, we're going to talk about something that, again, we've been talking about for quite a long time. Uh, we talked about Flanagan, Mike Flanagan, at the beginning of the show and kind of how he's had a, not necessarily wishy-washy, but just varying degrees of success in our opinion here. Uh, so whenever we found out that he was going to be taking on a Stephen King adaptation produced by Netflix, we were interested. Definitely eyebrows were raised. Now, I'm going to ask you, Jacob and Matt, both like... Uh, and Matt, feel free to go first. Like, yeah. did did you read the Stephen King uh, story? Like, how much how much background did you have on Gerald's game before watching? Uh, I knew almost nothing about it before watching. I hadn't read the book. Um, I knew like the basic premise of it of just like there's a girl tied up in a room, and supposedly this is like something that would be hard to film. Yeah, I mean that's where I'm yeah, that, at. That, that's about it. Yeah, I knew nothing. I had actually never heard of it, and then until we had talked about it on the show, I didn't even know that it was like this weird sex thing where she was handcuffed and shit happened, and the only other thing I, I had got was uh, that, yeah, same thing you heard, Matt, that it was an impossible thing to film, and I was like, oh, okay, that, I don't know if that really intrigues me or not, but, you know, hey, we're gonna do it, so let's do it. Yeah, so yeah. my mom, uh, biggest Stephen King fan in the world, so she gave me uh, the lowdown on the story. Uh, cliff notes, eh? Yeah, the cliff notes of like when it when uh, when the news first came out that a movie was even going to be made, uh, and it sounded really cool to me. I couldn't really understand like how it would be quote unquote impossible to film. Like right. I thought, I thought phone booth with with Colin Farrell would be impossible to film. Like how are you gonna make an entire <laughs> fucking movie in a phone booth? Like how are you gonna do that? But they did. Right. So I wasn't necessarily worried about that aspect of it. Um, but once I sat down and watched it and and realized the way that they were, that that Flanagan was filming this movie. Uh, I was really, really impressed with the direction and the the approach of, of how you're going to do that and how to explore like the psyche in in someone's mind. Like that, I thought that was really, really cool. Yeah, same. Uh, when I saw it, I was like, "Well, this isn't a, a thing that's impossible to film. This could have been filmed at any time." It's yeah. just no one had the thought process that Mike apparently had to to make it be on screen and, and work because there was no like super you know crazy effects or anything. It was just being very clever with how he approached it and you know what he did to the different just makeup of the characters and how they approached yeah so for those of you that don't know the movie is available on netflix right now quote unquote for free you you probably already watched it probably already seen it um the story is pretty simple and it kicks off really really fast Mm -hmm. uh basically uh, an older uh, man and woman are heading to a cabin for a seemingly uh, romantic getaway uh, he handcuffs her to the bed to do some freaky shit. Yeah, he does. Uh, some, some things kind of happen. One thing leads to another. Uh, he's gripping his chest. He falls over. He's dead. He's gone. And she is handcuffed to this bed, and uh, things aren't looking good for her. Now, that is... Let me go ahead and just jump in. That is the one part that's unbelievable to me, because uh, Bruce Greenwood is so jacked. You know he's doing so much goddamn testosterone. <laughs> that dude is working just fine. He does not need a little blue pill. <laughs> So, uh, as, as far as the setup, that's it. Now, a couple things did bother me, okay? Shoot. Just off the rip. Let me get Let's a couple go. things off. Number one. Well, I guess it's not. No, it's hard. you already claimed it. Number one. I Let's know, go. I know. Let's okay. go. So, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe this wasn't that big of a deal. <laughs> but as I'm watching it, uh, the, opening, the opening shot, like they're putting, like, he's back in his suitcase. This is like top-down sort of view. Mm-hmm. And he throws this pair of handcuffs like right on top. Like mm-hmm. uh, of the bag. Now, I don't know how often you've tried some sneak some shit around, Jacob. But whenever I'm sneaking some shit around, especially some freaky shit, 
I'm not going to put it on top of my clothes in the suitcase. That's super important. I'm going to wedge that shit in between a couple pairs of pants, throw some towels on top of it. You know, like, <laughs> I'm not trying to have anyone be able to open up my bag and be like, oh, you know, some freaky shit. Range roll your pants with those inside. <laughs> right, right. I noticed uh, how nicely he had them set up, too, though. Yeah. Like, they looked very, uh, you know, set there intentionally. Um, but, I mean, I guess now, sure, as the movie sure. progressed, I understood, like, oh, like, it was sort of this agreement that they were going to try some mm. new things. So, whatever. Uh, the second thing is the and we're not going to spoil as we always do but a couple things i mean th- this is nothing and it happens very quickly uh but the door being left open mm-hmm. like who the fuck isn't gonna be like well actually, let me get the door real quick yeah i did yeah i agree i thought that was a bit weird like yeah. if you're about to do some freaky uh I mean, honestly, it wasn't that freaky, but if no, you're about no. to, you know if you're about to engage in sexual activity you're usually closing the door behind you and it and wouldn't not, have been so bad, but she looked at it. Like yeah. she made a point to look at it. And it's like, okay, yeah, like you you guys are saying she would have said something like, eh, let's close the door, maybe. Yeah, just just a second, babe. Yeah. Click, hold on. Done. So I thought that was kind of weird. And that was like one of the only things I was like, well, that only exists to to further this this plot element. Sure. Push uh, the which, narrative. Which kind of bugged me a little bit. But uh, other than that, uh, Matt, thoughts. You saw this theatrically in in a crowded, I'm assuming crowded theater. I did. Yeah, it was packed. It was sold out. I was in like the main theater. So like cast and crew was was all there. Um, I, I mean, I love the film. It it was actually it was really interesting too. like, you know, I could have just waited and seen it on Netflix like everyone else. But this was like one of the few times that it was ever going to show in a theater. So I was like, this will be cool to see it there. And it did at certain moments that you will most definitely know which these moments are once you see the movie. It got like a huge, huge audience response. So it was really fun. And like, just like the setup. So, like, you know, he totally was going for like, okay, people are going to be squirming. They're going to be making noises during certain bits. And uh, it was pretty amazing to like see it with an audience like that. Yeah, my my brother is also a big Stephen King fan. And he said he remembers reading this book a long, long time ago. And he said he's like he's been thinking about it for like fifteen years. <laughs> he's like, God damn. Uh, yeah. the, the one thing happens in the movie uh, that is just really, really descriptive in the in the in the text, right? And he's like, I just don't understand how that could possibly work in a movie or how that could possibly look real in real life. And then he told me he's like, then I watched the movie and he was like, oh. Well, yeah, it would look just like that. Like <laughs> absolutely, that's how it would look. Yeah, it looks pretty. It looks pretty great. That's the one thing we never fault Flanagan on, I don't think. I can't recall a time that we ever were like, man, this Flanagan film doesn't look good. He just always has got a good eye for aesthetics. I will say, um, especially, uh, what was the last one? He, the, the Ouija 2, that one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, he, he did some really, he's, he's, he's always done some really cool like camera tricks and like different uh, setups to get into different angles and whatnot. Not too much of that in this one. I don't think it needed it, to be honest. I think it was one of those things that, you got them when you needed them, but uh, for the most part, I don't know. I just I was okay with with how it was done like that. Yeah, he definitely was going for like a classic style with this one visually, which I, I appreciated for sure. He was really interesting. There, I got a few insights like seeing it at Fantastic Fest with the Q and A and everything. Oh yeah, and so like what, so what was kind of cool because I too like when I saw it, I was like, I wonder like doesn't really seem unfilmable to me either, but like the whole thing where. I don't, I guess it's not really a spoiler, but you know, where she's kind of like talking to herself or like versions of herself. So in the book, it apparently is not like that. And it's just her 
she's just thinking things in her head and she's never like having a conversation with herself. She's just thinking stuff. So then I sort of was like, Oh, okay. So that's like an element that they created for the movie to make it filmable. Yeah. So I was kind of like, it was interesting to find that out. Yeah, I didn't know and, that for sure, but I kind of, uh, yeah. I guess I kind of assumed it because uh, when you when you think about the books, there's lots of like uh, internal narration and dialogue going inside of yeah. and that, and that kind of would be unfilmable. So I assumed that that was just a really clever and cool way to put that onto film. So, so props to him. What else? Yeah, and I believe he was even saying that like in the book, once Gerald, you know, dies like 10 minutes into the, the book or whatever, then that's the last you ever hear from him. Oh. So that too was like, and that's kind of what I was expecting from the movie too. So it was like cool to see him incorporated more and like Bruce Greenwood was there at the screening too. So then it was a little bit like, Oh, I wonder if he's going to be in this more than just like a dead body. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I thought he did fantastic. Like I'm glad that there was a lot more of him than I expected because I was like, you guys, I thought once he croaked, he's gone. There's a, oh, yeah, no, I, I thought he was great in the movie too. There's a really fun, like uh, that old classic angel and devil uh, aspect with them too as well and, and it's even done when they're clothing because you've got one in the white uh, you know nightgown and then he's in the dark black yeah. trunks uh, so it's, it's really fun to see that dynamic and I, I didn't realize that you know it wasn't her kind of cracking and I, and I do appreciate the approach and then going that much further to kind of have this interesting dynamic with the two characters now something that was explained to me uh, and maybe why I mean I, to say I was disappointed in the film is, is not accurate. I was not disappointed in the film. But it didn't quite live up to what I thought was going to happen based off of what people were telling me. Uh, what people were telling me was that in the book, like, this this guy shows up while she's tied up. And, like, she doesn't know if it's, you know, if, he, if he's real or if he's another figment of her imagination. But he does some crazy shit. Um, again, I haven't read the book, so I don't really know. But I was expecting a lot more of that to be involved in the movie. And we got very little of it, I felt like. My expectations were the same on that, and that's probably also from not knowing the book and yeah. just hearing people say that kind of thing. Uh, my mind had this whole different style of movie uh, envisioned before I even saw it, and then when I got, well, like you say, it's fine, but it was a little more almost thriller esque yeah. than I, uh, I guess, was led to believe. See, I guess for me, I had heard even less about the book or whatever, so like I wasn't even expecting that element at all. So. And I agree, it wasn't really in the movie very much, but I was sort of not expecting, like, I was just going in thinking, like, okay, this is, like, a one-woman movie, and that's it. So I was actually even kind of surprised to see, like, oh, there's, like, more, there are, like, more characters to this and, like, more things going on. So how did you guys feel about that particular story arc, like, whenever that that person or thing or whatever makes an appearance? Like, did that that work for you? Mm, I mean, it was okay. It just... At the end of the day, it almost felt a little throwaway in a lot of ways. It's like this weird kind of tangent that we don't fully explore. And I mean, it's kind of brought back at the end. But that ending just that was the one really weak spot for me was that ending. Because I was like, the fuck? I mean, but, you, you basically turn into an audiobook at the end, right? Kind of. Yeah, it, it was a really the, the one the fuck moment for me. Yeah, I kind of feel the same way. And I've heard that the book sort of has the same reaction, like just reading into it afterwards that like, he just straight on was going for like as much as possible to like keep the, you know, the like spirit of the book intact or whatever. And like, that's just also kind of the sort of feel that you get. Like the last 50 pages of the book are essentially the last like 10 minutes of the movie. Um, you know, I wasn't like my favorite part of the movie. I didn't hate it, but it, it was weird. Cause it's just like so different suddenly. 
I will say, and yeah, it was weird and it was different, but uh, the, the the guy or the thing or the whatever uh, itself, some really cool and creepy shots. Like some of those long hallway shots where you can barely see them like down mm-hmm. the hallway and you can't really make any facial features. Uh, I thought those were some of the creepiest uh, and most, really to me, more impactful shots in the movie. I think it's part of the problem too, though, because when it hit that, I go, oh, fuck, we're going to a different place yeah. that I wasn't ready for and I'm excited to go down this road. And it's like, ah, we just kind of tiptoe down it and kind of turn around a little bit. I do. I Like, I am curious to watch the movie again now knowing sort of the everything that happens in it because i did feel like and this is sort of just like dancing around trying not to spoil it but like (laughs) knowing what happens at the end i feel like does make the things that happen earlier be a lot creepier and more sort of disturbing but I, i would be curious to like watch it again with knowing that and see how i felt yeah, and you never know. Sometimes you rewatch something like that, and you, you pick up on things that you never would have even picked up on the first time. Uh, so it'd be cool. Yeah, I agree. It'd, be, it'd probably be cool to revisit. I tell you what, though. Mike has ruined uh, E.T. for me. The little kid from E.T., um, Henry Thomas, he's uh, her dad in the past. No shit? Yeah. Oh, wow. That's, I, didn't that's realize, the, that's I did the, not realize that. Yeah, that's the E.T. kid, all grown up. Uh, just not quite the uh, same charming young boy that he used to be. <laughs> Yeah, I mean some of those some of those flashback scenes, uh, they they were they were whatever. Uh, something really weird. I, I mean, it was obviously a, like a, a deliberate artistic choice, but the first time she goes in that sort of red world or whatever, mm-hmm. um, it almost like I don't know. It looked really bad, right? Like the red patchiness is everywhere. Like it looked like. Someone had like a contrast filter or something, or they or they did like a color replace thing and After Effects, like but not well. Like they did a medicine dropper on one patch and it didn't do all of it. Uh, I, I don't, Matt, you probably have more experience in that regard than than either of us, dickheads. So what what, what did you think about that stuff? <laughs> I don't know. I almost wonder. I wonder if that's a streaming issue on that because I can't really. That, like that was actually another reason why I was like I want to see this in theaters because like watching a DCP of this is going to look way better than watching it streaming. Yeah. Get crushed. And I, don't, I don't know that it ever looked that bad to me at any point. Like, I don't know. It seemed like pretty crisp all the time. So I wonder if that may have had something to do with, uh, <laughs> with that. Uh, yeah, I try. I try. I'm watching it in 4K HDR. I'm trying to do it the right way. Um, in, in like in the latter parts where it does, it looks like it was better. But yeah, it, it, now that you mentioned it, Matt, I mean, it did look like, you know, when, you know, whenever you stream something or sometimes whenever you get screeners of something, it's just compressed so much. It can't keep up yeah. with the color variance. Um, so that's exactly what it looked like. Yeah. And those and typically anything streaming, too, it's just like anything with like one particular color like that tends to be so much worse because it's just really bad at doing those kind of gradients. Yeah. And yeah, I don't know. There may have been a little bit, maybe I'm just not remembering because I was in like a fog of seeing 37 <laughs> movies back to back, but I don't know. I, I think it definitely at the very least was not as extreme, like seeing it in theaters. But that being said, no one else will ever be able to see it like that. So everyone else <laughs> is essentially forced to watch the, uh, the streaming version of it. So I guess one of my last complaints, and this is more of just, uh, I don't know if the, how the story's written, if it describes the bed different or whatnot, but part of me just couldn't help but wonder, could she not just scoot up and just lift her arm straight up over these uh, these big-ass posts and get her handcuffs off? Well, you see her at the, at the beginning, she kind of like jerks her arms up and down, so there's right. like a knot in the in the bed post. Was there? Okay. Um, I just wasn't yeah, paying close there's, there's attention. Yeah, there was like a notch that was too wide for the... 
Yeah, because I'm doing the same thing in my head, and I think everyone does. Like, oh, well, I would just do this, or I would just do that, right. and then like you kind of start because our arms are so wide and so far well, apart. Sure. Like, I think you kind of take for granted like how limited any of your motion would be when you're that spread. Um, so I don't know. I, I I would like to think like, oh, why don't you just do this? But the more I thought about it in my head as I was watching, it's like, well, no, she couldn't do that. I love though that they describe it, through the narrative of the film. Like all the bad shit that's going to happen as she lays here, like her, you know, circulation gets yeah. cut off, and like, you know, she's complaining about headaches, and they're talking about the dehydration. I mean, they really go in depth here. It's not like oh, she's just stuck. It's like she's stuck, and there's a lot of bad shit going to happen because well, of it. Like, like Matt was saying, like that was like very much like a a choice uh, to sort of take because I'm, I'm guessing the book she's very much like reasoning with herself. Right. Like you have to do remember this is going to happen. This is going to happen. And yeah. in the movie, it's more of you know these outside voices. But like, and I thought a lot about that too when I was watching it because like whenever I do things that suck or like that like i rationalize with myself like that internally right. i think most people do so taking that in a sort of externalized and i thought was really really cool and uh probably the best uh decision that could have been made when it comes to producing this movie absolutely yeah i agree so three people here i'm gonna go ahead and kick us off i recommend def- i mean if you're listening to the show you've probably already seen it anyway but if you haven't i definitely recommend jacob what do you think yes or no yeah, this was a really fun ride. It wasn't, uh, you know, we get nitpicky over the type of horror things are. This is a definitely its own kind of unique thriller-esque horror. But uh, I don't know. This was really fun. And this was one you could easily watch with somebody who's a little squeamish about the genre, I think. I think you can bring them in with this one. And it's going to be, it's going to look awesome. It's going to sound awesome. Well-produced, all that stuff, well-acted. And I think it would be a uh, stamp of approval to get them to watch more genre movies with you. Yeah, I think much like probably a lot of Stephen King stuff, it is like has tons of super mainstream appeal, um, but it's also really good. So like I, I totally recommend it. It was one of my favorite things that I saw at Fantastic Fest. Nice. Nice. That's a big stamp of approval. All right, guys. Well, there it is. Three yeses uh, on Netflix right now. You can watch it. Um, so we're going to go ahead and take our last break. Whenever we get back, we're going to jump into Ask Modern Horrors. And Matt. With Matt. Yeah, with Matt. Yes. As <laughs> soon as we get back after this, right now. are back once again one last time for this week with another rousing round a rousing round probably of hashtag ask modern horrors you've got questions we've got answers jacob they had a lot of questions so we had to break it up this is part two so if we didn't get to you last time don't fear we're getting to your questions with a bonus person a bona fide horror movie director matt's going to answer him as well so let's do it Ben Warrington, and don't worry, I'm going to fuck up some names in here. Oh, so for just, sure. That's a you good guys one. just get prepared. Hey, guys, after seeing the trailer for 12 Feet Deep, it made me think of that subgenre, and this is so perfect that this came up this episode, by the <laughs> way, of get out of your shit scenario horror. For example, buried with Ryan Reynolds, Frozen, Gerald's Game. Oh, okay, he mentions it. Uh, so can you guys elaborate on some of your favorites of this genre on the Modern Horrors podcast? And he's got in quotations. Brought to you by the Modern Horrors Network. There it is. Regards, Ben from the UK. I like it. He plugs He plugs us for us. Absolutely. Uh, Matt, let's kick this one off to you, man. Is there your particular favorites in this weird subgenre of get out of the shit? Um, I mean, Pro- Frozen, for sure, is one of my favorites. Yeah. I, like, it, 
in general, that's not really one of my types of movies that I love that much, but like, you know, like any sort of subgenre, if it's done really well, I'm into it. I think frozen is just really cool because it, you know, it, you're stuck in a confined environment, but you also can get really beautiful shots. And like, you're also at like a super huge outdoor environment where they're also stuck. So like, I kind of prefer that to something like buried where you're, you know, literally inside like a tiny little box. Um, I don't know what, I don't know what the reasoning is for it, but I don't know. I think just visually I'm a fan of the, like, and even Gerald's games kind of like this as well, where it's just like stuck in a room, but you still have a lot of, stuff to play around with to you know just get interesting shots yeah i i obviously like frozen as well gerald's game uh i did not like buried like at all i remember whenever i was coming through making festival rounds it got some really really like hot buzz and i remember watching it just thinking like no like this is <laughs> boring and, and, I'm, and i'm a reynolds fan uh so i do think this is one of those subgenres, uh, like any i guess that like there is a right way and a wrong way to do it uh, that being said, I, I can't really think of too many that weren't brought up in the question already that that really do this and do it well. I mean, I think of a lot of things like uh, survival horror stuff, like backcountry right. and, and that kind of stuff. But that's not even really the same scenario. It's definitely different because it, it seems like he's more into the you've got yourself stuck in a particular location and now you have to get out of that one location. What was that one with Franco? Uh, 127 hours. Yeah, I mean that's not horror, obviously, but, right? But I it's mean, that same that concept. same deal. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. And the problem with Barry with Ryan Reynolds, since we're we're going ahead and dumping on that one, is it it just gets so crazy. It kind of jumps the shark a little bit, and I was like, it's fine. And then suddenly there's like crazy snakes in the box with them and shit. I'm like, what are we do? what are we doing right now? It's so yeah. weird. I actually do have well, an answer plus- for you. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Uh, no, I was just going to say, plus that concept has already been done a lot better, in my opinion, in Kill Bill Volume 2. Yeah, oh, shit, that's yeah. true. Even though it's only, it's only like 10 minutes of the movie, but like that segment, since you've built up her character so much by that point, and like you've seen her do so much badass stuff, then when you like dump her literally into that kind of situation, it's just so like you're, you're rooting for her and you're like, oh shit, like how is she going to get out of this? And then you got that great flashback to explain how she's going to get out. but. I mean, in my opinion, that's probably the peak of the stuck in a casket sort of uh, scenario. <laughs> that's sub Which is so crazy because that's like one of the most terrifying things I think that could happen to a person. And it's just hard to make it look scary on yeah. film. Maybe that's unfilmable. And that may be. Uh, somebody get on that one. Mike Flanagan. Uh, but I almost wonder if someone did it in a, in a found footage film or not. I mean, I guess maybe that wouldn't work, but like a POV horror film or something. They tried with houses of uh, houses October built at the end. I mean, at the end, but that was kind of yeah. you know, yeah. also to not great success. Anyways, Ben, I got you one. I got you one right now. We talked about it on the podcast. Uh, Landmine goes click. What oh, a yeah. fucking superb film. A uh, one that I will not revisit though because it's just a rough watch. Just too heavy. Um, yeah, it's super heavy. You watch it once and you're kind of done with it because it's going to stick with you. But some shit goes down. Get stuck. And that's my big thing with these types of films is it like you're running through it and like, yeah. oh, well, why don't you just do this? Why don't you do that? And this one's got a big one. It's got a big, like, what the fuck? But it addresses it. And I'm like, okay, that's all I needed from this movie. So yeah. if you haven't watched it, Landmine, go, Landmine Goes Click. Have you seen that one, Matt? No, I haven't seen it. it sound, I mean, I'm assuming the premise is someone steps on a landmine and then they're stuck there like the whole time. That is correct. You nailed it. Yeah. I mean, it sounds, sounds intriguing. I, I want to check it out now. Yeah, so it's cool. Just uh, be 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 prepared. 
is all I'm getting <laughs> right. <say>. Absolutely, <laughs> there will be sadness in your heart. I, yeah, I imagine it probably does not go well for whoever. All right, moving on to Brett Milam. Milam, one of those Brett uh, Milam, you, I believe. Milam. <laughs> Do you think with the recent critical acclaim and box office success of the Conjuring series that follows Get Out and most recently It, among others, that we are on the cusp or within a sort of golden age of horror after a lengthy lag? And he says, of course, depending on what you think of, you know, modern yeah. horror and all that stuff. Um, obviously, he's saying a U.S. focused question is what he wants because he says foreign horror has been awesome forever. Yeah, I mean, people say that, right? Like, like the foreign horror just trumps U.S. horror, and I agree. Like, uh, especially for a certain period of time, like everything that came out, like if it was foreign, it was like, oh yeah, this is gonna be kick ass because they're kind of pressing the envelope a little bit more. Um, but to, to answer his question directly, like, yes, I think we are absolutely living in a golden age of horror for a couple of different reasons. Uh, primarily being that, like, it's. I think, and Matt, you can probably speak to this more, but like probably easier than it has ever been in any other stretch of time to make a movie yourself. And yeah, sure, you still got to get money, you got to get financing. That's a whole other thing in and of itself. But it's easier than it's been before to actually just fucking do it. Like if you want to make a found footage movie, just get your fucking phone. Like I've I've seen countless movies that were filmed with iPhones. Like some much better than others. Um, but when you have that, when you when you have this highway of creativity that is just accessible to literally everyone uh, you're going to get some really really great stuff out there and not only that distribution is you know you, you can self-distribute on itunes and uh amazon and google play movies and all this stuff now so like it's easier to make a movie and to get it out there than it has ever been before and as a result we're getting some really cool and inventive shit uh that we would never get in a million years i know he's he's saying a lot of theatrical releases yeah um so I guess we can talk about it a little bit more, but as as far as are we in a golden age, I, I say yes. Yeah, I agree. 2017 alone kind of is the litmus test, if you will, just all the good shit that's come out this year by itself. And it's for the reasons you just said. I mean, me and you, before we went on air, talked about uh, certain films that were done on a shoestring budget, and they just look so gorgeous. Um and I mean, you know, there's money to be made in the genre at times. I mean, Matt can tell us that, the, you know, it's pretty fucking hard. Um, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah. there's always been good horror films, but I, I feel like probably there are more, uh, you know, per capita kind of kind of thing lately than there has been at any other given time. Matt, what's your thought on that? Yeah, I feel I mean, I don't really feel like there's for a while been like a bad time for horror only because there's just always so much good independent stuff coming out uh for studio horror i suppose lately it's been particularly pretty good um i always am like anytime people are like this is gonna be like a resurgence of great horror blah 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 i am just always kind of like i don't know if that's the case or not in terms of like high budget you know, studio like it get out and not that even get out was that high a budget but you know yeah. that like that kind of stuff that gets a huge release and like makes shitloads of money. I don't really know because it's just it's just so weird. Like it'll be interesting to see what sort of directions studios take with regards to that stuff. Like if it's just going to be like a lot of adaptations and like you know they're going to try and do similar movies to that, or if they're going to like learn the hopefully correct lessons where like if people are making interesting original movies that people really want to see it. Um, so yeah, I don't, I don't really have necessarily like a great answer for that, but it will be interesting to see what happens in like the coming couple of years. 
Yeah, I mean, for whatever reason, I don't, I don't think any of us have an answer, but for whatever reason, uh, people seem to be really, really in, like, like normal people, not, not freaks like us, like normal people. <laughs> yeah. Are interested in going to theaters in droves and seeing something, even um, even if they felt like they were duped, as as strange as you know, it comes at night or Mother or whatever. Like people are willing to take risks on horror movies right now uh, in, by the fucking millions right now. So Brett's yeah, got a second. That is definitely true. Yeah, Brett's got a second part. Let's just stick with the same order we just did it in. Uh, he wants to know: Do you think? There is a, you know, what's capturing the horror zeitgeist right now? Is there some kind of phase that we're in? Like there's a zombie phase, serial killer phase, um, you know, a gore phase, that kind of thing. Are we in some sort of horror phase at the moment, you think, Luke? Uh, I mean, it's de- we're, not, we're definitely not in a gore phase right now. If if anything, I'd say we're in, and maybe this is why it's capturing the mainstream's imagination. Uh, we're, we're really closer to like edgy horror thrillers right now things that have mass appeal in general and i think whenever you divert from that like it comes at night did people feel like they were tricked because it did not live up to a the way it was presented in trailers and movies but b everything else that's been so successful right now um so i don't know if we have one thing like a a subgenre like that per se but definitely um, mass appeal horror, which is why I'm actually pretty interested to see how Happy Death Day does mm-hmm. uh, at the box office because I feel like that is uh, aside from it, which was going to do great no matter what. Like Happy Death Day is like a fucking like what what people consider horror movies to be, you know. So I, I'm excited to see how that how that does. I think the obvious one is Stephen King is super hot right now. We've got that's very true. Every King thing in the world being filmed for television, for movies, for yeah, Netflix. That's I mean. True. You name it. Uh, King is reigning at the moment. But I think on the indie side, or at least uh, it's just like this little tiny corner of a subgenre that's kind of being created. And if you're not really into the indie horror, you probably haven't seen any of it. And you're like, what the fuck are you talking about? But this weird, um, like, extreme experience slash escape room kind of subgenre. There's a lot of films that are kind of exploring that idea that you signed up for this sort of game and things go awry. Yeah, there's several of those right now. For uh, sure. So that one seems to be kind of hot in any in, in, in sphere, and I'm okay with that. It's interesting to explore that, and especially with that kind of thing being more relevant, I guess, in our culture. That's something people like to go do for fun. I, it makes sense. Matt, what do you think? Yeah, I feel like... I mean, I mean, obviously with Stephen King, there's like, what, at least four movies out this year alone right. from Stephen King. Uh So I would be shocked if we don't see like a million more of his movies, which is certainly not a bad thing. Um, But yeah, I feel like and I was totally with you on the like horror thrillers being like sort of obviously the main um, because even really like I didn't see Dark Tower, but I would say every other one of the Stephen King ones was pretty much a horror thriller. Yeah. More so than just straight up horror. Um, And uh, totally. And I don't know what's surprising to me, though, is like. Yeah, like I guess a lot of people have had like these weird reactions to like It Comes at Night and Mother, and which I actually love both of those movies. But and maybe I only watch like the initial trailer and not like the commercials or not like the slightly more mainstream trailers. But actually, kind of like going into the movie, got exactly what I thought I was going to get with those. Um, Because at least like the first trailer for It Comes at Night was like this super weird, like the dogs barking constantly and it's like doing all that kind of stuff. That was cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, other than the fact that I have no idea why they called the movie that 
Uh, like I did feel like I definitely got like what I was going for on that one. And sort of the same with mother. Like I know the first trailer for that was like, like it was pretty weird. Um, so I don't know, like I'd be curious, like I'd really love to talk to some, and this is sort of even going away from what the question even was, but like, I'd be interested to talk to someone that hated mother, but thought the trailer was good because like the first mother trailer is pretty weird too. And it's sort of like all over the place. Well, on that one, I, I think, um, I can understand I I can not understand that one more so than it comes at night because as yeah. the as like the Snapchat marketing and shit ran up on it comes at night it was really pushing us for a certain thing but yeah you're right uh, with that's the yeah, could be maybe I just never saw that that certain aspect of it but with mother you're absolutely right like it was very um ambiguous uh like all the trailer like everyone's questions were like what the fuck is that movie about like what is it so if you're asking yourself that question before you go see the movie you can't really be mad because like they didn't tell you it was going to be something you just don't like what it was you made an assumption yeah yeah and even if people like even if they're selling it as a horror movie like i feel like that was pretty much the most unnerving like sort of intense experience i've had in a movie this year where like it's pretty rare for a movie to sort of like get me to feel that kind of way where you're just stressed out the whole time. And that like totally did that for me. Yeah. Uh, I, I haven't seen mother yet, Jacob. I don't, I don't think I you have either. either. Yeah. But literally everyone else on the team fucking loves it. Uh, which I think speaks volumes. Like the main, the mainstream America wasn't so hot on it, but people that know and love horror, they're like, well, fuck yeah, this is a horror movie. Like, and it's a really good one too. So that's interesting. Yeah, I, I loved it. And then, but also, like, I saw it opening night in LA, and there were like five other people in the theater. And, like, afterwards, Ooh. I heard some people behind me just being kind of just like, what the fuck was that? <laughs> and, you know, so was, like, okay, I guess uh, they were not into this movie as much as I was. All right. Andrew Michael, do you wish other countries would take risk like we've come to find with French horror? Oh, God, Luke, this is you. <laughs> I know it may be hard for mainstream, but some of the best films I've seen recently have been French. I'm not saying Inside, Martyrs, Therapy, etc. are all new, but I can literally watch them over and over again just because they push the boundaries so much. So this one's to me, actually, first. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I guess maybe he's going for extreme, like, gore, perhaps, based on the question and the fact he brings up French films. I do think there are indie projects that do push the boundaries quite a bit. Yeah. Some of them, that's why they end up being indie projects is because they want to push the boundaries and mainstream just doesn't want to touch it. Uh, matter of fact, we're talking to one of those motherfuckers. Uh, we weren't just blowing smoke at the beginning of this episode. There's some, I mean, it's some fucked up shit at the end of that movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, we just, the foreign film kind of realm just looks at things a little different than we do. So sometimes you get wild things. I mean, you've got... Takashi Miike out there doing some outlandish shit. That's definitely not for everybody, but, uh, you know, uh, the French are known for it the best, but I think everyone else is kind of doing it. It's just sometimes, it may, depending on your area, your region, it may be harder to come across. Well, I feel like, uh, and, and I, I've fallen into this myself uh, for, for several years, but I think France gets, um, uh, of course, like the new French extremities thing that happened for a while, like in the mid-2000s with, you know, high tension and martyrs and inside and all stuff. And, and, and don't get it twisted. I love all of those movies, really, for, for various different reasons. Um, but like, when you look past that, or Calvert, that, that, that one crazy fucking movie, um, it's not like they're banging them out over and over and over again. Uh, 
and it's not like they're all home runs either. Like I know you liked Frontiers a lot, but I thought Frontiers right. was kind of like, yeah, you know, whatever. Yeah. So I mean, really, when you look at it, and we we think French horror, we think they're fucking killing it. They've really got like less than ten movies that really <laughs> that really fit the bill for that. You know what I'm saying? It's impressive to think about that, though, right? Yeah, no, it is. But then if I sit back and look at like, and think about all of like the indie. Uh, for I mean, like you said, you name some Japanese shit, but like right. uh, American-made stuff. Like I can think of several that really push the envelope. Probably more than ten. Um, so I think definitely. I think France gets this rap, and uh, Revenge definitely fits the movie that Matt and I were talking about from Fantastic Fest. It fits that mold for sure. But it's not like that's the only thing that they crank out, and it's not like they're the only ones that are doing it. They just get that rap. Um, and, and, and I've given it to him myself, and I, don't, right. I, I wonder why that is. Well, not headless, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. You want to see sure. some shit pushing limits? Terrifier. Right? Yeah, I mean, there you Jesus. Go. Matt, what's your take so, on this? Yeah. So what I actually find really interesting about French cinema, or at least the t- you know, it's not like I've seen everything that comes out, but like Revenge and like Raw, like like so. Last year, Raw was my favorite film of the year. This year, so far, it's Revenge. Two French directed horror films, yeah. directed by women, interestingly enough. But what's so great about both of those movies, like Raw, despite the fact that people they were like people were passing out due to how crazy it is, Raw is really not a crazy film at all. No. But like in terms of what it shows, but in terms of like what you feel by it, it it totally is because it just like it gets you into that. It's like all about the character, all about just like creating this beautiful image and just sort of like sort of in like, you know, the Tarantino Reservoir Dog style. It's like making you feel more by showing less and revenge sort of in the same way. I mean, there's a lot of amazing gore and revenge, but it's still, it's not really like pushing any limits by any means, but in the way that it does things differently from like a normal sort of rape revenge movie is what's so interesting about it. And like it gets you into those characters and it does things with the characters in a way that I personally have never seen in any movie of that subgenre before. And that they're just like everyone, even the villains are so much more interesting than they usually are. And like the whole setup of everything's different. And it's like the way that they even stretch out, like how things are going to happen. You like feel the tension of what's going on in a way that you don't normally in that sort of film. And like, that's what I find really interesting about those films coming out of France is it's just like, it's not like they're necessarily pushing the edge, but they're just making you feel something different than you're used to. So you so you you subscribe that there there is in fact something in the water in France that just turns <laughs> these people into freak filmmakers. I don't know. I mean, hopefully, I like <laughs> like if next year my favorite film is like a French directed horror film, I, that would be amazing. <laughs> <laughs> All I right, mean, Luke got excited on that one because the word French was in it. Matt's turn was technically second, but Luke jumped. Bad, a, yeah, bad. that's okay. This next one goes to Matt. Okay, uh, so you're up first, Matt, on this one. Okay, cool. All right. And once again, it's going to be another question that Luke will be excited for. That's pretty funny. Uh, but he's second, so it's fine. I like questions. Eric, <laughs> but you never prepare for them. It's so weird. I know. <laughs> Eric Thorpe wants to know, with the new interactive mediums becoming more realistic, uh, VR gaming, increased graphical capacities with gaming systems, what do you think about the new resurgence of horror games? Do you think it will draw the attention of horror directors and writers? I'm glad this is going to you, Matt. Uh, yeah. Or is it tied to the sudden increase in popularity of horror films in the theater? Um, so this is actually a cool question, too, because I, like, I do. I have a PSVR. I've played some VR horror games and I love it. Like, I think it's like it's so different from film. But I like for me, 
a horror video game, especially in VR, is like a thousand times scarier than any movie. One thousand, you know, just because yeah. you're actually experiencing it. And so it sounds like you've done some horror VR as well. But it's just crazy because, like, even sort of like a simple game, like even um, uh, there was like a rail shooter that came out on PSVR that was pretty great. It was the uh, uh, one uh, fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah, that one. The one fuck. Yeah, the one fuck. Love yeah. it. Yeah, it's, the, the, the Until I, Dawn I, VR experience. Yeah the, yeah, the Until Dawn sort of spinoff. Yeah. And like that game, I thought was pretty phenomenal. Like, like show that game to someone that doesn't like spiders and they will be pissing themselves. Yeah. Uh, and it's just like, it's just so great because it's so hard to get that experience anywhere else. Like, especially if you watch a million films and just like having that layer removed where it's just like, okay, now it feels like there's a spider on my face. <laughs> Uh, totally. <laughs> it's just like, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't, I don't really know that necessarily it's hard to say like what, if any impact it will have on films. So I'm really not a big fan of VR, like in terms of just watching like a VR film, um, or, you know, just sort of like the 360 experience where you can film stuff live action. Like I kind of am not a fan of that and I'm really a huge fan of it in video games. It's just sort of that different immersion thing where it's like, if you're not controlling what's happening, I don't know that it works. So, I mean, it, it's definitely cool that, I mean, horror obviously is like the main, it's just so obviously it works so well with VR that I think there will be a lot of horror games that are coming out and continue to come out for VR platforms, which is cool. Um, so I don't know, maybe the people that are into those will also get more into the films as well. And it'll, sort of could like increase the popularity or something. I, I would hope that that would be the case. Yeah. I, I mean, I, a, I agree a thousand percent about, uh, I mean, I, I think resident evil seven was like one of the most terrifying experiences I had, uh, all of last year outside of any movie I saw outside of any, anything I did. Um, there are sections of that game where I had to go into the basement. I, I would look at myself in, in the mirror and be like, I can't go back down there. Like I don't have it in me to go back down there right now. Uh, so I, I think that video games are able to elicit this sort of fear that it's really hard to do on camera for whatever reason. Like Matt, like you said, maybe it's because you're you're in control. Like your your actions have consequences. I guess I don't know. Um, I think it's just something too about the fact that like if something comes at you in a video game, you can literally back up <laughs> to get away from it. It's just you know like you can't do that in a movie. You know where because even in the 360 movies, you can essentially just turn. You can't like move through yeah. the three through this 3D space. And I think that's the element that really like sells the horror of a game where it's like you say you're like sitting in a chair or whatever, and someone's coming at you with a knife. It makes you want to back up. Yeah, I I, I kind of side with you on like VR experiences. Like whenever like Insidious comes out or whenever it came out, uh, you always have these VR experiences and they feel kind of clunky and they never really do anything for me. Uh, what I do think is probably going to have a bigger impact on like cinema itself. I, I don't know for sure, but probably AR augmented reality mm, where you're still mm -hmm. seeing the real world around you, but through some sort of eyewear or whatever um, you're able, uh, the, the, the de developer director, whatever is able to plant other things like in your space around you. Um, I have been uh, testing this game for iOS for a little while because part of iOS 11 big thing was they have an AR uh, APK that allows people to do, or I'm sorry, API that allows people to do really cool shit. So it's this, um, this zombie game that basically does this real time spatial mapping of your house. 
and as you're going around it, like it knows where all of your closets and your doors and all this shit are. So as you're going around your house, looking through your phone's camera, um, they're coming at you from all these different angles, like from your actual home. Uh, and I, I know that that can be used in a movie somehow or in a theatrical experience somehow. Neil Blomkamp is is really flying the flag for AR right now in, in his experimental features and stuff. So I think that's going to be something. Uh, I don't know how plausible it is to go into a theater anytime soon and see everyone wearing like, a big fucking helmet on their head. Like, <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. Yeah, I love horror games. I haven't got to play many. The last one I actually did play was Resident Evil 7. I told that story on the podcast where yeah. I did get my shit scared pretty bad uh, from the wife <laughs> popping in on a pitch black room. Uh, so, yeah, there's just that immersion you get with that is something that you can't replicate on film. Now, I don't know if, Eric, if you're asking, uh, you know, will directors and writers be influenced by the video games or if maybe the filmmakers will go towards video games? I, I feel it sounds like-, like the other way around. And from, from I don't think that's going to happen. Like, I, I do think like someone like Neil Blomkamp, who's who's going to start experimenting with that technology in film. But I don't foresee anytime soon a filmmaker going to video games just because that's, I mean, it's still, you have directors and stuff, but that's a very different skill set required over there. For sure. And I think that's, yeah. that's the big thing. I think you'll see writers. No problem. Sure. See writers. Um, you already do sometimes. Yeah. And you already, you already see actors, big name actors, yeah. uh, Peter Stormare, you know, is the first one that pops into mind and they're doing the whole, the whole get up, um, so you might you might see somebody that's curious to direct. I mean, I, I would see it. I think it's more possible that it would go the other way. Uh, there's a guy named David Cage who I love his games. He did Heavy Rain and Beyond Two yeah, Souls. He's he's uh, divisive I, to say the least. He is, but I could see him making like an actual feature film with zero problems at all. Right, and that's that's the big knock on his games is they're less like games and they're more like this weird pseudo it's an experience. Yeah, which I'm, I'm, I'm cool with. The, yeah. the weird thing, though, is, and I love his games, too, especially Heavy Rain, but I don't know that I'd be as interested in a feature by him, because like, I do just love the fact that you can do whatever you want in those games, yeah. and like it's like the different outcome aspect of it is kind of my favorite thing about it. I mean, not I, if he made a movie, I would see it for sure, but it would be interesting to like see and take out that element that his stuff is so known for. That's true. I mean... What if though? Let's just play the what if game. What if like Mike Flanagan said, "Yeah, I'm gonna direct this video game." Would that raise some kind of interest for you? Of course. Yeah, I would think so. It it would be interesting, I guess, to see what that would even mean. Yeah, I think that I, I honestly don't think that these two realms will stay separate. Uh, like you say, you have Blomquist who maybe kind of pseudo experimenting but yeah. i think he's going to be very experimenting with a lot of things yeah right now. i think that's the thing it'll be experimental with certain people very fringe but i think for the most part these will always stay separate just because they're designed to do two separate things yeah i agree yeah all right let's see luke you're up first on this one matt tom tom thompson yeah matt thompson that one's not even a hard one no no it's t-h-o-m-s-e-n <laughs> so like you know you expect a p or something like that, uh, key and peel skit a aaron a aaron yeah it's like that um how do you plan to celebrate Friday, October 13th? God damn, when we just talked about it, there, there are a lot of movies coming out on Friday the 13th. So I'm, I'm going to be watching The Babysitter. Uh, I'm probably going to have my happy ass in a theater to watch Happy Death Day for sure. Um, and then, you don't know, maybe maybe fuck with some kids as they come up for trick-or-treating. That's always fun. Have a good little laugh On there. the 13th? Uh, maybe, maybe I confuse. I'm like, I'm, 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 some early ass kids are very, I'm dyslexic, very motherfucker. Don't, don't worry. Greedy ass little kids in your neighborhood, dude. <laughs> Tell them to fuck off. 
Uh, yes, I probably won't. Be. I just said I was going to be fucking with little kids. I didn't say <laughs> what exactly I was going to be doing. Just typical. A typical Friday for Luke. <laughs> um, yeah, you know, apparently since there's so many goddamn movies coming out, I'm just going to be watching something. I don't even know what anymore, but I'll be watching something. Matt, what are you doing? Are you fucking with little yeah, kids on a random Friday? I'm not fucking with any little kids. Uh, I, I, I am going to 100% watch uh, probably both Happy Death Day and uh, The uh, Babysitter. Yeah, for sure. So, yeah, I'll probably watch like two or three or four movies and a lot of good horror stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people feel the urge to go through and like watch Friday the 13th. I, I never really do that. Like, I feel the urge to watch Halloween on Halloween. I don't feel the urge to watch Friday the Thirteenth on Friday the Thirteenth. Interesting, but yeah. So, do, do do you guys ever? Uh, sometimes, just for the gimmick. I mean, that's the problem. That's the only one thing I have to hurdle myself over. Is like when I do it, I always feel so nasty because I'm like, this is the g- most gimmicky shit I'm doing in my whole entire life. Yeah, it's kind of ritualistic though. a little bit. Yeah, I don't know that I ever actually have watched a Friday the Thirteenth movie on Friday the Thirteenth. I know I did. I back it's just in the day. it's something about the fact that Friday the Thirteenth isn't like. It doesn't really feel like a real holiday. Yeah. In the way that like, you know, Christmas or Halloween or Thanksgiving or any of those, like it just happens sometimes. Yeah. All right. This last question is me, then Matt, God then Luke. <laughs> yeah, I know. You gotta you gotta <laughs> caboose it, man. All right. Patrick Anderson. Horror films used to pay homage, or talk to Mackie says, to fellow horror films frequently. At least it feels that way, he says. In Halloween, people are watching The Thing and Night of the Living Dead and the original Hills Have Eyes. There's a Jaws poster that's ripped. Um, yada, yada. Nancy watches Evil Dead to stay awake. Does it seem like this is no longer done? Did Scream do this so well that no one bothers anymore? Do you think it's a good or a bad thing? So, yeah, look at you. Look at you. You're so excited. <laughs> You're so excited. So. I don't know. Did it, I don't know if it ever left. I, I just can't think of my movies. Don't well ask me enough, a question, motherfucker, because I can't you, answer. Yeah, you. I know it. Yeah, and Matt gets to go next, so calm the fuck down. I know Stranger <laughs> Things did this ad nauseum, so that's the big one, right? Um, there's like Cabin in the Woods did it to an extent, not like necessarily the way you're saying, but you know, the playing on the tropes and all that stuff. So I mean, there's a little bit there to the slasher genre and whatnot. Uh, something that's outside the genre, Ready Player One. It's got a Freddy Krueger appearance in it. So that's pretty cool. Something going mainstream. But I, I don't know, man. I mean, the Night of the Living Dead shows up in almost every fucking movie because it's public domain. Right. So you don't have to pay for any rights. And if you want to, you know, have your character watching spooky movies, why would you pay for something when you've got something that's super recognizable for free? Hell, you ain't even got to get deep in that movie. It's always like the first graveyard scene with uh, Barbara. Yeah. They're coming to get you, Barbara. I, yeah, I don't think it's dead. I just don't think I remember enough of it to really say... Yeah, or nah. Matt, you probably got a better memory for this. What do you think? Yeah, um, I feel like... Or better yet, have you even I, done, Have you ever done this, personally? I haven't really done it to that extent. I mean, I, like obviously there are references and homages and stuff to other movies in both of my movies. But I feel like actually doing like a name drop or showing the movie, there's something... Like it, it totally works fine in older movies, but I think it was maybe done so much, or like people just know about the classic movies so well that it, it's kind of lame if you do it now. Yeah. Or like, like I feel like if I, like anytime I see Night of the Living Dead show up, it's just like it takes me out of the movie because I just feel like okay, they well I know why they use that movie. Right. Yeah, it's super like, played out. 
Yeah, and so I mean, there's at least something cool about like in Halloween when like Thing from Another World shows up that it's like, I mean, one, it's cool because he then went on to make the thing, but it's like even it's like that's not like the equivalent of like a Halloween movie showing up in another movie where so like I don't know I feel if you were showing like really obscure stuff that can be cool uh I feel like the worst offender and luckily this hardly ever happens now is when you just straight up use people's names as character names like that's just the straight up like grown worthy yeah yeah. really bad thing to do (laughs) I mean even in movies that I like that would do that it's I'm just like uh, I wish you would have named these people different (laughs) names but I don't know. So I feel like it's sort of evolved in a little bit. Like there's obviously tons of homages and stuff. Um, but I don't know, even showing like a poster on a wall is like something really tricky to do without making it feel cheesy or like, like, Oh, look at this. I'm showing yeah. a horror poster. You know, like if you just, if, I guess if you have a character that's just like, it makes sense for them, then totally go ahead and do it. But I think unless that's the case, then I probably would prefer no like blatant showing of movies and more just like more like a little like imdb trivia type things where it's like oh this little bit here mm-hmm. is a reference mm-hmm. to this but yeah. it's it's not but you know it, to the casual observer they wouldn't just be like okay they just said halloween they're talking about a john carpenter movie etc yeah i feel like the evil dead poster is, is the wall hanging version of watching the night of the living dead really oh do. yeah it totally is. i mean it's an amazing poster but it's just like <laughs> we don't need to see it in any more movies all right luke you get to go finally man well you guys took all the good shit already so i don't really know what to say <laughs> well, reiterate on the good shit then so, well i will say the, the one time where this has been done in recent memory is actually something that we talked about a minute ago and that was in until dawn and it was a ps4 game and uh, mm-hmm. Larry Fessenden was involved yes. in it, and the Glass Eye Picks crew and all that stuff. And uh, in one of the rooms in the house that you go to, it's like a theater room. And in that theater, you have posters oh, yeah. for like the House of the Devil and like all of these other Glass Eye Picks movies had art inside that theater room. And I thought that was a really cool way to work that in there. I thought that was I thought that was nice. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you there. See that that's cool because those are not just like gigantic, huge movies either. And but it's cool because it's just like. The guy who wrote this game produced those movies or right. directed those movies. So it's like, that's like a cool little fun thing to do. Yeah, I was literally like zooming in and panning the camera around to see whichever other ones were in there. And it was really cool. Like as a horror nerd, I was like, yes, this game gets me. Like It was really cool. Do you feel like it's a little different though because it's in a video game than it is in a movie? Yeah, I mean. Because some of it feels like, yeah, it's, in a video game, it's a little more like, see, we're in the know. Yeah, like wink, wink. Right. I, I don't know, man. I don't know. All I'm saying is that uh, I just don't think it's necessary, like in in film right. anymore. Uh, and I was explaining to Chrissy not long ago the whole night of the living dead and the public domain thing. And yes. Like, every time you see it, like there's a reason why they show that every single time. Mm-hmm. Um, a because they're watching a horror movie. It's a horror movie. B because they don't have to pay for it. So I mean, that's, there's there's <laughs> freebies are free. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is our ask modern horrors and Matt Stewart's Woo. segment. Woo! We powered through it, boys. All right, man. Well, that was episode Second 122 complete. of the Modern Horrors podcast. Now, Matt, before we get out of here, um, I just kind of want to hit, you know, say thank you. I mean, you have made two feature films now. So first one being Rewind, which has been available for a while on iTunes and every other platform in the world. Uh, and now DVD and Blu-ray. Yes. Ooh. I was about to bring that up. So where yes. where can you and it's like some poster art and all that shit. So where where, where can you get that? Uh, the best way is if you just go to RWD, the movie or actually rewindthemovie.com. 
and then it sort of just takes you to like the the website for the film and then can access all of that stuff from there. Cool. And then next up is Tonight She Comes, one night only, October uh, 5th at 10.30 p.m., right? Yeah. And if you go to tonightshe.com for that, mm. that will uh, redirect you to the ticket page for yeah, $5 tickets. Five bucks. Shit. Holy five shit. Five bucks. Yes. Uh, the last bit of that movie is worth five dollars. The whole yes. movie is worth. $5. <laughs> no, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You're getting a you're getting a whole other movie for five dollars right there. Um, and there's also some merch. Is that is that out yet? Because the the poster for tonight she comes is one of my favorite posters in recent memory. Uh, so I wouldn't mind having me one of those. That's a good poster. Yeah. So actually, even the best way to go for that is just the uh, rewind the movie site. Huh. Um, once sort of once this uh, this whole theatrical deal is over, I'm going to redirect tonight. She dot com to that as well. But I, I don't know. Fo- probably like also the best way is to just like follow tonight. She comes on Twitter. It's just tonight. She comes or Facebook. And there's like links to all that goodness there. Um, or me, which is Matt Stewart's, uh, M-A-T-T-S-T-U-E-R-T-Z. And I'm sort of like constantly posting about it. And then as soon as I have news on the release date for the VOD and the DVD and all that stuff, I'll be posting about that as well. That is fantastic, man. So thank you so much. Best of luck with the uh, Tonight She Comes screening uh, tomorrow night. Um I recommend anyone within driving distance to go check it out. It kicks ass. Big fans over here at Modern Horrors. So thanks again, man. Appreciate you, man. Yeah, thanks, guys. All right, and thank you all for listening. Episode 122 of the Modern Horror Podcast would not be the same without each and every one of you. So until next week, we meet at this time. <laughs> thank you. We love you. We are out of here.